Hi, I'm Ryan, the anesthesiologist player. I'm Ben, the dentist player. I'm Jared, the excellent natural artistic player. I'm James, the home chef who gets bit a lot player. And I'm Helen, the mother of Monsters Game Master, welcoming you to this episode of the Starting Equipment Podcast. We're very excited to have our friend James here, joining us from our weekly Hunter game that you hear so much about. Hi, James. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So today, Jared, Ryan, Ben, and I are making liars of ourselves by taking a game from our list of coolest games we'll never play and playing it. I told you I'd play it as soon as you let me. You know, and I agreed, and here we are. That game is Monster Care Squad by Sandy Pug Games, which you can find uh, linked on their website for sale in its magnificently illustrated glory on their itch.io page and available purely in text form with no visual art, but all the rest of the text, flash fiction, chapter headings for free at monstercarescquad.web.app. It was originally kickstarted in May of 2020. I didn't find out about the Kickstarter at the time, but I was unspeakably lucky enough to have gotten one of the leftover physical copies. Folks, it's beautiful. If you can chip in to go buy the PDF for yourself, do that. Maybe even buy an extra one for the community shelf on itch.io. You will not regret it. The art is magnificent. The art is absolutely worth 25 bucks. Oh, absolutely. I'm not usually a buy it for the art person, but I am here. A little bit Studio Ghibli, uh, kind of in the direction. But of course, with all these really neat monsters and basically every page is illustrated. Anyway, if you haven't listened to our Coolest Games to Live or Play episode, we do a sort of mid-level dive on this game. But hopefully the vibe will be clear as we go. So I want to get right into this. Last bit of bookkeeping. We play typically with the Lines and Veils safety mechanic. Just for transparency, we've already had our discussion off mic and established what our lines and bills were. I'm just letting you all know that we did that. For you, the listener, quick content warning. This game is about being a veterinarian for magical beings suffering from a mysterious magical sickness. There is a level of background fear from kind of not knowing how it spreads or where it comes from. That is not the focus of this session, though. It will not resemble any real-life illness in any way. Still, if that's not a high concept you're comfortable with right now, given the state of shit... For totally valid fun. For totally valid fucking reasons, just heads up, please take care of yourself, skip this episode if you need to, we'll catch up with you on the other side, it's alright. So, with that in mind, you guys ready to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, welcome to the land of Aldamura. It is a supercontinent, perhaps the only one, perhaps not. People who set out from its shores in search of land beyond the horizon are few, and the ones who return to speak of their travels are even fewer. It is home to people of all shapes and sizes. It is a place of rolling fields and primeval forests and painted deserts and floating mountains. The land thrives and teems with all creatures, great and small, with magic magic and with monsters. There is a lot of baggage in the word monster. In our world, it conjures images of the feral, the cruel, and the unspeakable. In Aldamura, monsters call the weather and usher in the seasons. They help plants grow. They provide shelter to wayward travelers. And in return, the people of Aldamura treat them as beloved members of the community. They care for them, they celebrate them, and they tend their wounds. And that last part is where you all come in. As monsters Care 
specialists. You are trained experts out in the world providing monsters with aid and support and also helping the communities that they guard and protect. You are at the beginning of your careers, recently set out from homes, academies, mentors, to answer the call for monster specialists who can travel the countryside in search of evidence of the mysterious and elusive false gold. No one yet knows where the sickness comes from or how it spreads, and the magical symptoms are as varied as the monsters it afflicts. Former guardians turn tooth and tail upon villages, old friends, and each other in their pain-induced delirium. But you all are here to help. So I ask everyone to come in with character builds. We're going to introduce them in play. So if everyone is ready, we are going to begin in the city of Petrus Mall, just after dawn. The sky over this chilly northern township is not quite gold anymore, but also not yet blue. That sort of soft violet gray, crisp air, and not a cloud in sight. It's a collection of A-framed thatched cottages sitting together in the sheltering arms of the mountains, with tight clusters of habitation and commerce and community built wherever the ground was flat enough. And in between, there are broad cobbled switchbacks, walking paths, and a network of passenger trolleys floating along on cables, even at this hour, to carry people from neighborhood to neighborhood. The high skirts of the mountains to the north are beginning to turn white, even as the forests of the foothills all around are speckled with orange and red among the green pines. Plumes of wood smoke drift out onto the morning air. From the street, you can hear the first signs of the day's hustle and bustle as the gentle clatter of wheels and footfalls and hoofbeats seeps through the windows of the inn where your squad sent, spent a much-needed night indoors. You all got to town late last night and a bit bedraggled after the long, cold road to the north. You were welcomed in by one of the innkeepers at the first public building with a light in the window that you could find. You are all here in this inn, sitting around at basically first light. There aren't many people around. It's a cozy place. There's a fire in the fireplace. Someone, one of the members of the staff, is over kind of getting things ready. You can hear clattering around, kind of in the kitchen area. But otherwise, you largely have this common space to yourselves for now. You're all sitting around having whatever to eat or drink that would make the morning a little bit less blah, which we all need. I would like one of you to volunteer. I'm not going to tell you what for. Just someone volunteer. Landau will volunteer. Okay. Landau, you have a contact in this area. Her name is Marjoram. M-A-R-J-O-R-A-M. And once I finish doing this description, I'm going to back up and actually have you all introduce your character. Actually, you know, I'm going to do that first. Uh, Jared, why don't you tell me your character's name, their pronouns, and a little bit about them? I'm playing Landau. He uses he, him pronouns. A lot of people become members of a monster care squad because they love and want to care for the animals. That's not untrue for Landau. He does care about the monsters and their relationship, but that's not why he's here. He's here because he has the obsessive need to understand, to collate, and to investigate anything that is of interest and what could possibly be of greater interest than magical monsters and the magical sickness afflicting them. That is why he is here in this world. He wants to categorize, collate, and sort everything he can possibly find. Okay. So probably got notes and your journal spread out next to whatever steaming mug of... Yes, whatever. always. 
on always team. carrying lots of paper with half-drawn notes that will eventually be collated into his big book of monsters. But first, you got to have your sketches and your notes before you put it into the encyclopedia. Sure. James, why don't you tell us your character's name, their pronouns, and a little bit about? Sure. Character's name is Fulcrum and uses they and them pronouns. Fulcrum finds nature, both mundane animals and monsters, to be incredibly beautiful. Fulcrum's on the fence about the existence of the divine, but if it exists, then they think that nature is right up there with it. And therefore, Fulcrum often puts themselves right up against the beautiful nature, and sometimes in the mouth of the beautiful nature. <laughs> Fulcrum has a ongoing hobby as a home chef and likes to bake special treats for monsters and has often been bit by those monsters and has now developed a little bit of resistance to a number of venoms. <laughs> A number of venoms. Yeah, hopefully they'll have the treat instead of fighting Fulcrum, but, you yeah. know, sometimes it doesn't. All right, Ryan, character's name, pronouns, and a little bit about them. Sure. I'm playing Coriander, or Cory. He uses he, him pronoun. Cory's interest began in baking, and realizing that the transition from baking to chemistry was surprisingly easy moved into some of the more chemical aspects involving monsters, uh, particularly how do you sedate something that's his large as a mountain. The math gets much more complicated in that situation. So this morning he's probably over at a table looking at a beaker sitting on top of a Bunsen burner, adding a few things, wafting it in front of his mose, and then nods. And he takes the coffee off the Bunsen burner and pours himself a cup. All right. That leaves me. Uh, Cal Oldbrim with he, him pronouns. Cal is pretty much here for an adventure. Really likes getting up close and personal with, with the bitey bits of monsters to help them. He admires the function and form of teeth, not in a weird way, but just in a in someone who understands the construction and specificity of them. You admire, admire their purity. I admire its purity. <laughs> right. The bitey bits, the clawy bits. I watched that bits. like last um, week. You can't do that to me. No, Ryan and I do that to each other all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a frequent quote in our households. Anyway, Jared, you have volunteered. So you have a contact in this area, in this region. Her name is Marjoram, a former mentor of yours. They've been a monster specialist for some time. And you know them to be a bit, I think eccentric is a good word, but also incredibly perceptive, incredibly insightful, and very helpful. They perhaps have a lot in common with Cal and Fulcrum in that she sometimes gets very close to the parts of monsters that if you didn't trust that these are sapient, ancient, wise, and gentle beings most of the time, you would wonder why someone would get that close to something that may have an active fire in it or teeth or claws that are, it's a lot sometimes. But she sent you a letter about a month and a half ago, which kind of precipitated your squad coming up to this area. The letter, which I will send to you so that you, Jared, actually have a copy as well, that I'm going to read to you all. It's probably tucked into Landau's notebook. It's, it's why you wandered through the cold and the oncoming autumn in this northern territory to get here, but I'm going to read it out loud. It says, Dear Landau, I've been meaning to write for you for some time, but the late commotion has rather absorbed us all here in the timber reaches and we've been sadly busy. I'm unable to travel at the moment and in general my duties to the city keep me here, but in the last tour I found something very I'm unable to make sense of. I'm hoping you'll see something 
something I can't, or that perhaps at least you can take it with you on your travels and find out more. If you can, please come to Petra's Mall at your soonest convenience. I'd like to introduce you to the specialists here who use the fresh eyes. Your grateful friend, Marjoram Pine Moss of the Timber Reach Monster Specialists Guild. And the Timber Reach Monster Specialist Guild is the guild that kind of operates in this region of monster specialists around here. The guild hall is in Petra's Mall, which is why you are all here. And that's where I'm going to pause exposition for a little bit. Why don't you all interact amongst yourselves? Well, folks, I hope everybody had as restful a night as I did. I'm sure that it wasn't enough to bring us back to full hail and hardiness. But I think that we should go to the guild today, and I think we should all be ready to leave town. I assume that in the month it took us to get here, whatever interesting problem there was has gotten worse. So we probably shouldn't delay. I hate to say that I think you're right. That's no reason we shouldn't finish our coffee before we go. Of course not. Do you know if we'll have access to kitchen facilities at the guild before we head out? We should eat breakfast here, I would assume. Oh, oh, not for me. You know, I like to be prepared for the monsters in the field. I like to whip them up something special. Ah, well, any guild hall that I've seen has always had rooms and boards, so there would be a kitchen facility. I know that some of the groups that have come in contact with the false gold have intentionally quarantined themselves so as not to infect other people or monsters. So part of the guild hall might be closed off to us, but I'm sure they have kitchen facilities. We can ask if we can use them. Yeah. Okay. I can make do with that. For reference, it does not seem to affect people, but since, as far as anyone presently knows, it does transition from monster to monster. It's not well known what the transition from monster to person who's been around it to person who's been around the person who's been around it to monster could be. So it's kind of a precaution, but yes, they do. There are no symptoms in people, but people may be carriers. Yeah, they don't know about like, if it got on you. No strong evidence. It's very precautionary. But yes, you're absolutely correct. There are, in fact, dormitories at the guild halls, and you could definitely get a find a kitchen there. There are also, there's also the potential of kitchens in town, but yes, you will be able to access cooking facilities if you need them. Excellent. That you all stopped here at the inn rather than proceeding to the guild hall. You all stopped here because this was here. We can live with that. You don't necessarily know where the guild hall is in town, just haven't been here before. But yes, you know that that's probably where to find her. Can we just essentially wander around in the town? You can. You can also ask the human being who's like 30 feet from There's me. a human being who's 30 feet from us? Yeah, so there was someone <laughs> bumping around in the kitchen getting stuff together, like one of the members of the, uh, the staff. First of all, there is pretty much no currency to speak of anywhere in Yusin Aldemura because that's we're past such silly concepts as that. So largely communities have work that is done and organized by different unions and guilds and confederations within and of the collective, sort of just working together to support the whole community. So there are inns like this in Petrus Mall and in the wider Timber Reach, which is the region you're in. The function here is these are way stations for travelers because it's cold and people out on the roads need to stay yeah. somewhere. This is a very, very warm and welcoming place. Uh, the staff here are all here because their work within the community is they take care of these way stations and inns where people stay. And that is the function. So 
there are people around here who work here. It's a bit early, so everybody's probably not here, but there are people that you can talk to. Fulcrum will go into the kitchen space and we'll just start setting up to start cooking a little something. And we'll just casually say to the other person, like, hey, do you happen to know where the uh, the guild hall is? Can you direct us there? Also, would you like anything? I'm, I'm going to make a little something for the, the monsters and the group before I head over. Do you know where that is? A friend of ours got a letter. We were called there to, to help out with the ongoing difficulty. The person is kind of in the like middle age, probably. Her hair's done back in kind of a bun and wearing kind of a shawl and looks up at you. Like, oh, well, that's very nice of you to offer. The guild hall. Which which guild hall did you say? I'll say, oh, oh sorry. Terribly sorry. The monster care squad. Me and, and my three friends out there. You mean the Timber Reach Monster Specialist Guild? Of course. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Here. If you'd like to put something together, you may. But here, why don't I give you directions? Just Oh, oh I can multitask. <laughs> and like pulls out a notebook and like sets it alongside the, probably like the, the flat top. And it's just like scrambling an egg with the left hand while, you know, pen hovering over the notebook on, with the right. Okay, well, I suppose if it's here and then she'll come over and she will kind of make a few notes and does the thing where she gestures out in the vague direction of outside, you know, when you want to go down the, and you'll see it. It's sort of a larger complex. There are a couple of uh, smaller outbuildings that are there as well. And there's a kind of a stable facility, but it might not be too busy right now. What um, what unpleasantness did you mention? What, what commotion? Hearing this, Landau is going to step in. Landau will be saying this from the doorway to the kitchen. Okay. Don't be flustered by my friend. They always like to make themselves at home. They really are quite an excellent fulcrum beams. I hope you don't mind them invading your space. I'd prefer in the future that you ask, but no, if you have cooking that you want to do, that's fine. If you want to put together some eggs, that's just fine. Here, why don't I show you? Here's where, um, and actually there we have a few other people came in a little bit before you all. So if you want to make it an extra batch of those, they'll probably appreciate it. And she'll go and start laying things out. But I thought you mentioned a commotion as she's putting together some additional supplies to support what Fulcrum is doing, kind of looking at the two of you. Oh, I don't know the details, but my friend, Marjoram, Miss Pine Moss, I don't know if you know her. She's part of the Timber Reach Monster Specialist Guild. She just said they could use a few extra hands, and so we're here to help. Oh, yes, yes. Well, you know what it probably was, but I think they got it largely sorted out, but there was, uh, oh, months ago, I think now, up north of here. Here, there was a there's a little town and uh yes the whistler peak whistler peak the poor thing it was very sudden but i think i don't know all the details but i think they've gotten it sorted out i or i thought they did i haven't spoken to them much i know we sent some supplies and we had some um, folks from the little village there come down yes i suppose you would need to talk to the folks up at the the monster specialist guild hall for more information i we take helping out other monster care squads very seriously, particularly new members such as ourselves. We're frequently called to help after things occur, see if we can't find out why. At worst, we've wasted a trip and we've gotten to see your lovely village. Ah, everyone's doing their best. Anyway, so yes, why don't we put some biscuits with those eggs? Damn PCs in my kitchen. <laughs> it's a little bit of that. It's also probably a little bit of, you know, when something comes up in conversation and it it seems to tread right along the edge of something that's uncomfortable to talk about. It's definitely that kind of thing. Uh, Fulcrum had the moment of when Landau came in, like looking at Landau, like, help, I've done a, a faux pas. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like I, I offered to cook for her. I wouldn't worry about it. People are touchy. I know it's not polite to say, but I really hope the monster hasn't left. Olcrum very kindly produces, I assume, mountains of eggs and biscuits. Everyone else will get the chance to finish their coffee. Uh, yeah. And when, obviously, in addition to producing actual breakfast, Fulcrum will be able to produce baked scones with blueberries, I assume? Because that feels like the kind of thing that you would feed. Probably a batch with and a batch without in case there's a monster who's allergic to blueberries. That's fair. You never know. <laughs> All right. It's also probably just like a few small bits of meat that are very lightly seared in case like fruit and, and bread is not the deal for so a given monster. What you just told me is you have bacon biscuits, blueberry biscuits, and bacon blueberry biscuits. All the carbs. We need yeah. the carbs. Yeah. Sounds yes. Right. All right. Great. So it's probably... Nothing cheers monsters like carbs, okay? <laughs> I mean, nothing cheers me like carbs. So you all uh, probably an hour and a half, two hours later, set out again into the morning. The sun has risen a little bit and is a little bit busier out here. And you can set off following the instructions that you've been given. You are able to navigate to the Timber Reach Monster Specialist Guild Hall, which as directed is in fact a larger building, but it's the same sort of A-frame style timber and thatch that Petra's Mall is known for. With uh, the benefit of daylight, you can all see there's a pretty consistent look to all the buildings here. Just in case, given the uncomfortableness that witnessed from the person in the inn, just in case something has gotten worse, has gotten closer to town, as we begin our journey, I would like to open the hidden eyes. Okay. I would like to just take a moment to focus my breathing, and then I can always see through illusions and magical glamours in case there are Yay. that is fair okay so gives me a bit of a headache i'm glad i had a coffee first sure so i will also say that part of the reason and it may not occur it may or may not occur to you know any member of the party you can all think whether this would occur to your character. The false gold is sudden, mysterious to a lot of old. It's not necessarily that information is siloed in ivory towers or anything in this world. It's just that it's not that there are the common rabble and the few people who know things. That's not how it works. Everyone is their own kind of specialist. They do their own kinds of work. Everyone knows a lot of things, not just within their field, but not everyone knows what you all know, which is why you're here. And so for the average person, the false gold is a terrifying thing because it takes these beings that many people in Aldemora consider, if not divine in some fashion, a true friend, family to the community, a guardian, a protector. They look to them with utmost respect and love. And the idea that something that nobody knows anything about can cause them to become deadly dangerous in any way really actively terrifies people and confuses and concerns them so it's probably a little bit of that as soon as that sort of a thing is mentioned and again up to your characters whether you think individually that would occur to them I think that would occur to Landau and I also think that Landau assuming that he is wrong sure would do this anyway that makes complete sense there isn't a timeline 
all-in on that, but it's kind of like, you can always do it. You just kind of need a second to think about it. So whenever something comes up, we can just have a quick check-in of like, do you think you're doing that right now? But I'll assume any quiet moment that you are. He's definitely doing that as he walks around any area he doesn't feel comfortable. Sure, that works. There really isn't anywhere that, like everything feels pretty normal, at least between here and the guild hall. People are out getting up to whatever work they have to do that day. People are chatting. You see trolleys going by on cable cars up and down the different levels of the city. There are wagons that go by as well as people just walking or riding. You make your way to the guild hall. Like I said, it, it's not like it's a grand building. It's not any grander than anything else. It's just bigger in part because of the larger area that it has. Honestly, probably just because you all get up to a lot of stuff and you need space to do that. Yeah. There are some outbuildings that are actually brick or stone that are honestly probably where you do the kinds of experiments and tests for things you don't want to have in a place that's made of wood, you know? <laughs> There are a couple of those. When you have to treat birds made of fire, best not to do it in a thatch roof house. So first of all, a complete vibe shift, definitely. But if witchers were vets instead of monster hunters, there would just be a lot of chaos. Just a lot of chaos. Yeah, true. <laughs> really true. Weird chemistry, weird science, weird magic. So you need to have some space to spread out. You can head on in. Doesn't look like there are too many people about in here. It's actually oddly quiet as soon as you shut the door. Part of that is because this is a very sturdy building. It's got pretty Spartan is the wrong word, but very practical. It's, it is definitely comfortable and it is a place that is lived in, but it, it is probably more ascetic in the sense that there are woven wool coverings over the floor to help kind of hold some of the heat from a central hearth. There are chairs and, and some tables scattered around and you seem to open into kind of this common area or, or kind of hall essentially with a central heart and uh, it's a place where there's not going to be a lot of grand stuff happening that's not really any of Petrus Mall's style but you could definitely see slogging in after climbing a mountain covered in snow cold damp having done a hard day's work or a hard couple of weeks work and just flopping down in one of these wooden chairs kicking your boots up next to the fire and that being amazing. It's like that kind of vibe. You wander in and initially don't really see anyone in the common area. Is there any sort of desk or with a bell? No, it's not that kind of a place. But there is, yes, Jared. Um, Landau is just going to not yell or scream, but raise his voice and be loud. Cal yeah. will definitely make himself comfortable near the fireplace. Miss Pine Moss, Marjoram? Out of curiosity, and this is not really necessarily provided for in mechanics, but I just want a frame of reference. Then what is Cal's, what is the number in Cal's acuity? The number in Cal's acuity is plus one. Okay. This fire has clearly been going for a little bit, so it's probably like eight or nine in the morning. Dang. This is a solid, well-built fireplace. You can tell that this is the kind of heart that looks simple, but has had some engineering go into the design so that it will just 
by virtue of how it is shaped and how the air moves, it will get a good yeah. burn. This has probably been going for a few hours at this point. It is the perfect type of fire then. Yes. After a couple of moments in response to Landau's calling out, someone walks in. This man is big. The two adjectives you would use to describe him are hirsute and burly. He is probably on the underside of seven feet, but also broad-shouldered, big guy. Heavy black beard, full head of hair. His skin is browned. It looks like he spends a lot of time in bright sun reflected off bright snow with biting mountain winds. He is wearing a knit wool sweater with this tessellated pattern of rams and pines and he's carrying this stein of some kind of piping hot liquid and he looks like he's been awake for a while and he doesn't look like he's having the best time and he's he zooms he's kind of looks at all of you and uh sorry which which one of you called for uh Marjorie? i did hi my name's landau i have a letter she sent me asking for us to come help is everything okay it looks like you've been burning the midnight oil i'm guild outfitter Bryn ravencall when did marjoram send you that letter about a month right uh, about a month and a half yeah received it about a month and a half ago we came as soon as we could that's fine is she all right i should start at the top have a seat here, would you like one of these? And I like hold out the recently baked scones. This one has bacon. This one has blueberries. This one has he just bowl. goes ahead and <laughs> just takes like and fit three in his hand at a time. He's like, join me in the other room, please. So he walks you into off the off the side, and there is an office. Obviously, guilds are different in any places because they're I mean they're set up by the collective that is in the immediate area, and positions are voted on existing, and but it's a fully democratic sort of situation. The Outfitter, if it is like other guilds elsewhere, you're pretty sure that this is something like Quartermaster. This person is probably the one who does a lot of bookkeeping and maintenance for the lodge, you know, the the guild hall and making sure that timber reach specialists are outfitted and everything like that. So he's got an office here and uh, he'll invite you in. It's not anything grand either. It's a place where he can sit and keep paperwork and write. So he'll sit down and he'll say, sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch all your names. I'm so. Cal, Cal Oldbrim. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. Yeah. I'm Corey. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Fulcrum. These are really good scones. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Landau. So I apologize under normal circumstances. Things would be a bit better. In fact, if you got in here yesterday, things would be a bit better. Oh. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh my. So, Marjoram was here yesterday. Sometime in the night, Marjoram left the lodge. I get up in this morning. Now, Marjoram, if you're familiar, often goes out, chases leads, very perceptive, knows a lot, particularly in this area, about the surrounding. It's not a huge surprise to anyone if you see her and then you don't for a few days, and then they're back and not a word is said of it. Excitement and interest have always been of greater importance to Marjoram than Safety. And the results speak for themselves. We all kind of understand amongst each other that if Marjoram's gone for a week, we pay attention a little more closely, but a few days here and there, that's normal. What wasn't normal is that I woke up this morning with Gilly bringing in the actual common hall 
out there. Gilly is Marjoram's ram. Probably about gestures indicates horse size, probably. Normally, Marjoram travels with Gilly everywhere. Sure-footed amount as I've ever seen, especially on these backwoods. There's no reason that Gilly would have been standing in the guild hall without Marjoram that I could think of. So I went to try and uh, calm her down. Well, I couldn't catch her every time I tried to get close. She bolted. Huh. So I just bundled up, it was still dark out, followed where she went. She goes to the center of town, where usually Polka Polka is waiting. That's where Polka Polka sits. That's that's his spot. Do we know who Polka Polka is? So I'm going to kind of leave that up to you all. Tell me in your own kind of idea, how much do you think your characters would know about uh, Petra's mom? Nothing. Probably not much? Yeah. Probably a tiny amount. Just the only sure. thing I would know is what... Well, because you've worked with Marjoram, yeah. right. So, like, if your characters have been... James, would you say that maybe Fulcrum has been from up in the north at all? Or did they come in from somewhere somewhere else, do you think, with this group? I think they're probably from a colder climb. Okay. Up north is likely. So maybe they know a little bit about the area. So then I'm going to uh, I'm gonna say you guys can know as much as, as an adult would want. And I'll say that Landau and Fulcrum would know. Polka Polka is the guardian of Petra's mall. Polka Polka has, in the way of monsters, sort of always been. It looks like a lovely, charming, two-story A-frame cottage that runs around on six chicken legs. That's pretty sweet. They tuck up completely into kind of the, the under-cellar part where it, when it sits down. It is one of those things where it's unclear whether Polka Polka arrived to an early Petrus Mall and saw how the houses were and then took that shape, mm. or if it sat down somewhere in the middle of this kind of natural valley in the shadow shadow of the mountain and then other people built their houses here and built them to look like Polka Polka. What you would know is that it is renowned as a spirit of protection, sheltering the wayward and lost, finding travelers on the road and giving them a warm place to stay and sleep and helping them get to Petra's Mall. It is, that is what Polka Polka is and wants. That's what you two would know. And I can pause if you guys would like to say anything. If Landau had known that, he would have definitely told his companions on the way up here. We had a month long journey to get here, I would have shared everything I knew about this town. Sure. Fulcrum will gently interrupt and say, wait, Polka Polka has been here up until recently? Polka Polka is usually in town. He does wander. Of course. Sometimes he you know, goes out. He had some rough weather, not like a full blizzard, but it was, we did have a couple of freezes a couple weeks ago, and, and he did wander a bit to make sure that no one was out. Usually, particularly in coming toward autumn and winter, there's one spot that when he comes back to he goes to that spot whether or not he stays there for any length of time he knows his own business it's not again it's not odd necessarily to see that polka polka hasn't got up and walked away of course of course that's fine it's odd that gilly is here upset and margarine is not it's odd that gilly would take me to where polka polka is and polka polka isn't there it's odd that if margarine left with polka polka which is also normal she does a lot of work with Polka Polka. They wouldn't bring Gilly. I know for a fact that Gilly has ridden in Polka 
poker before. So the situation I find myself in is this. I don't know where margarine is. I have a number of specialists who are out in the field. A couple of them are still in quarantine after we had an issue at Whistler and Peaks. They were able to help. It had isolated itself. So by the time anyone was able to get up there, it was pretty advanced. So it took us a while to get that dealt with. So they're still isolating. But I'm short-staffed right now. And what I have is a lot of coincidences mm. and not a lot of clear evidence of what may or may not have happened. I think we should go find Polka Polka. I would be very grateful if you four could check that out. Feel free to take Gilly. Of course. Also, Landau, P.S. already drawing Gilly. Gilly's not in there right now, but you think that maybe you can hear a mournful bleeding? Okay. <laughs> You know, and it's not like, feel free to take Gilly. I've, I've fed her. I finally managed to get her into the stable. I finally managed to get her something warm. She didn't want any of it. <laughs> And I think she's standing on top of Marjoram's lap. He looks out the window. Yes, she is. If you look out the same window that he looked out, indeed, you can see a horse-sized mountain goat standing on top of one of the outbuildings and occasionally making a noise like... That's a very well-built outbuilding. I mean, it's one of the stone ones. I thought you were going to comment on Helen's excellent... Horse-sized goat noise. <laughs> Look, it's not something that I think about at all. Don't tell the internet that I know how to make horse-sized goat noise. Definitely. You're seeing it safe with us. Okay. Presently, they are at the something doesn't feel right about this, but it could all still be fine, but you should go check it out phase. Which is to say, we are entering the diagnostic phase of play. For those who are not familiar with Monster Care Squad or haven't read the book, the phases of play, which can be more or less rigid as you go, but provide a useful framework to conceptualize the game, are diagnostic, synthesis, and symbiosis. The diagnostic phase is where you get initial information about the monster's illnesses and the ways that they are expressing their illnesses. In the synthesis phase, you are developing cures and coming up with ways to treat whatever wounds the monster is experiencing. And in the symbiosis phase, you are putting those cures into effect. But first, you have to get control of the situation in one way or another. So starting with the diagnostic phase, this is going to go pretty snappily. I'm just explaining to give you some sort of idea. Bryn is going to take you out on this chilly day and it doesn't take super long in part because as soon as Bryn pulls on his big wool coat and steps outside he whistles at Gilly who is still perched on top of the metal roofed brick building out in the courtyard and calls Gilly! Gilly come on! And whistles Gilly initially ignores him until he says go find Marjoram at which point Gilly bolts and all of you are following along as quick as you can Gilly is going to lead you all through town. There's going to be some, you know, jostling along along perhaps the least direct route as Gilly has come this way many times before and is a mountain goat. So you will eventually end up after going over some sharp edges and through some alleyways in a large town center. There are a number of, best way to describe them, offering is too strong a word, but there are 
are a number of tables and things set up in different places. It almost looks like if you had an outdoor cafe with all the chairs and the tables set up and the little awnings and things, and then you took the cafe part away, it almost looks like that. You know, like this square is clearly a place that is lived in by the people here. There are places to sit, there are places to gather, there is kind of a, a little stage set up in the corner for festivals and music performances and such like that. And it is a, a lovely little sort of piazza kind of thing. And there is a square in roughly the center where the cobble ends and you have the packed down bare earth and bedrock of the mountainside beneath the cobble and just nothing there. By and large, there are some people about who are kind of going about their day to day, going about their morning. No one seems super bothered. They don't look like they can think of a reason why they should be bothered. Bren kind of leads you to the spot and gestures and says, okay, I really ought to go back to the guild hall, but um, this is where Poco Poco usually is. I'm not sure when they left, except that it was early this morning, at least as early as, as when Gilly came back to the guild hall. So uh, I'd appreciate it if you could tell me what you find when you do. But Before you go, mm. I know that not all monsters consume food in the way we think of food. Mm. Does Poca Poca have a food that they consume? And if so, a favorite? Well, so let's see. And let me just pause real quick. Part of why I'm asking is just like, I want to role play. And that seems like a good place to start. That also seems like a good justification for a pull a thread. I agree with you. That does seem like a good pull of a thread move. You didn't want to just walk up to him and start unraveling his sweater right there. <laughs> You're just gonna unravel his sweater? Why? Don't do that. Okay, one This second. is how I will diagnose the animal. <laughs> I mean, if you think it'll help. All right, so the pull the thread move. When you ask around for some information about the monster or its condition, roll plus allure on a 10 up, pick one. And then number of options. Okay, so I think if you're asking about Poca Poca, I think you can go ahead, Jared, and roll plus allure. And just for our people at home who might not be as familiar, rolling in this system is you just take a d20 roll and add your... No, no. You take... No, you take 2d6. Hey, uh, this is what we do. Yeah. Oh, it's been a while since I read the book. Caught up got 19. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm very confused. I think you win. <laughs> I got double snake eyes, so I definitely did not get my 10 plus. No, you definitely did not get your 10 plus. Yes, yeah, snake eyes is not a success. Because <laughs> in this game, we are, as a reminder, aiming for 10 up he is an unqualified success. On a 7 to 9, you get a qualified success. On a 6 or below, the information... Oh no, the information you get is false. Oh. Tell the table what's about to go wrong. Okay. So do I tell everyone what's about to go wrong, or do you tell everyone what's about to go wrong? I think I tell you. The guild outfitter will think about that for a second. And then we'll go... The best suggestion that I can give you is every time that I've interacted personally with Poco Poco, it's been in the context of dealing with them, making sure their needs are met, uh, but also the majority of the time it's when they're celebrating with the town. If I had to guess, I would say that they like noise. Here's how it goes. Normally we have a solstice festival every year. Let me explain. And for the solstice festival, everybody comes out, we'll decorate, we'll put up garlands and we'll put 
put up lanterns and children will run wild inside and knock everything over and draw on the walls and, and push the furniture over and do everything that you normally get yelled at when you're in your own house and you do it, right? And then we'll all go in after the kids are done and we'll clean up afterward. That's what I think of when I think of us doing our part to sustain Poca Poca for the ceremony. And that sort of joyful chaos seems to be what feeds it. So noise, light, shouting, calling, just generally being bright is what I would say, but I leave that up to you. Perfect. Thank you. Well, Cal, clearly you should go in front playing your fiddle and the rest of us will clash pots and pans behind you in whatever rhythm you set. Clearly, this is our best way to attract all I love this plan. I would like to take this time to remind our game master that one of my specialties is that I always know when I'm being watched. That's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Helen, what is Gilly doing at this point? Gilly is wandering around in that open space in the center of town, occasionally braying sadly. Mm. Honestly, that is the thing that's attracting the most attention, if for no other reason than people are around wondering what's wrong with this goat. This, again, horse-sized mountain goat. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) Bryn will kind of shrug and say, I gotta go back to the guild hall. If you find anything, please let me no, I trust you all to handle this. Marjorie trusts you, I trust you. So. And he'll he'll wander off. So. Cal wants to strike up a lively rhythm on the fiddle. Does anybody here know how to track? I don't know if it's anybody's specialty, but I feel like we should all be yes. decent at it. You are all competent professionals in the arena of dealing with monsters to include tracking them, but any of you have a training or a background you want to sell me on to give you a bonus to a roll, then we can go with that. Just let me know what you'd like to do next in terms of narrative, and we can pick a move that suits the roleplay. I've already pitched what I think we should do next. I think we should put our loot player, and we should bang some copper pots, and we walk into the mountain heading the direction we think they might have gone. Cal didn't need a whole lot of encouragement to whip out the fiddle. (laughs) I would like to make a pitch that I have investigation under grit. So while I am banging pots and following Cal's musical efforts, let's call them. Yes. I would like to look for chicken feet prints, like not actual chicken feet, giant chicken feet prints. I feel like my stick-to-itiveness might help me out here as I am banging pots loudly and looking for prints. Okay. So it sounds like what you all are talking about is ultimately a follow the trail move. However, comma. It's being generous. Well, because. No, it's absolutely what we're trying to do. (laughs) We're just not doing it well. No, we're absolutely trying to do that thing. Yes, because what you said was we're going to go off in the direction that we think that it's gone. And that is the question, is it not? Yeah, we're just trying to follow the trail the same way the Brooklyn Nets are trying to win at basketball games. (laughs) Wow. For all listeners at home, the Nets are my team. I have the right to be sad. (laughs) Ask him about the Celtics sometime. But since you've got (laughs) snake eyes on the previous role. This is actually going to be an in harm's way role. Sure. So whichever of you would like to do so, and remember, you can assist in this game. It's called the treasured insight move to assist. You have a relevant training or background. You can help. The treasured insight role is when someone on your team is on the 
verge of a breakthrough and you have a relevant training or background, you can roll plus stat. In this case, it's going to be whatever this stat is that's relevant to the move. On a 10 and up, you can say how your help changes their action and they will get a plus one to their next roll as long as it makes use of your help. On a seven and nine, you can still give a plus one, but you also say how you get in the way just a little bit. So hmm. just keep that in mind. I think I should help with my grit and my investigation and somebody else should come up with a better plan given how I Well, actually, what I think potentially is that Cow is playing oh, that yeah. lute. The only one of you who is actually competent with a mutual musical a instrument, fiddle, I believe. Not a lute. Thank you. Sorry, a fiddle. My apologies. <laughs> You can spill beer on this one. So if you wanted to roll, and I know I said same as the move that is being done, but actually in this case, I think it's going to be roll plus allure. If you wanted to roll treasured insight and then give a plus one to whoever completes the in harm's way roll, if you can, then that would also work. Sure. And once we get all of this figured out, then we will drop back into the narrative. This is just the bookkeeping part of the moves. James, could you roll? 2d6 for me. Who's making the primary roll? Is it my grit? Am I banging stuff aggressively and looking for stuff? Because I like that. First, we'll figure out your primary roll after. Okay. The On the dice is a 6 and a 3, so 9 total on the dice. And I have no addition. What's your allure? Uh, zero. Zero. Okay, well still, that's a 9. So, you're going to be able to give someone a plus 1. If you wanted to give this to whoever makes the in harm's way roll, you will give them a plus 1, but you will also get in the way just a little bit. Fair enough. I will play a little too loud. <laughs> sure. Who wants to make that in harm's way roll? That's going to be a grit roll. I'm happy to do it. I'm then the one who got the worst trouble. stat, so. Well, and, you know, you are also banging pots and pans together. <laughs> yes. Well, we're all supposed to be. I don't know what the rest of you all are doing, but I am happy to take point on this roll. Why don't you go ahead and roll, Jared? And then once we have this bookkeeping out of the way, we'll drop back into the narrative and describe what's actually going on. I, too, got a nine, but my grit is plus one, so I'm at a ten on this roll. Nice. And if Cal gives Landau the benefit of that plus one, then you will be at an 11, which means you will be at the 10 and up. Let's drop back into the narrative and let's say Cal pulls out his fiddle and starts to play. I assume Landau, because it was his idea, pulls out some pots and pans and starts banging. Oh yeah, full on copper pots on his hands, like boxing gloves. Fantastic. Banging them together to the rhythm. <laughs> People are not entirely sure what's going on. You might think the reason they don't necessarily get involved with whatever this is, is they see Gilly trailing after Fulcrum and Fulcrum's bag of scones. <laughs> yeah, because I'm also trying to bond with Gilly at this point. Gilly is happy to sadly express all of their sorrows and oh woe is Gilly at you while fitting as many blueberry scones into her mouth as possible. <laughs> I try to ration them so that Gilly doesn't eat all of them right Incorrect. away. Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> Gilly is playing Chubby Bunny with the blueberry scones. So I said happening. try. I said try. <laughs> doesn't mean not fail. <laughs> Much in the way of a goat, the mouth goes all the way up. I assume Corey looks on at this display. Does Corey get involved, Ryan? Talk to me about Corey does. Corey winces every time Landau bangs those good copper pots together. Mm. Just... Could you remind me of that 
always knowing when you're being watched. Is that everyone who's watching you? I sort of thought it was like a, I know when someone that I'm not aware of is watching me. Like when someone is watching me from hiding or something. That's fair. So what I'm going to say is this. You are all wandering for a bit. Is there a particular way that Cal will lead them with his fiddle? Into the mountains. That's where we're headed. Okay. To be fair, it's a yeah. long way. It's like the mountain is well over well, this is there, really a jam it is session, but um, otherwise... <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Cal... I am carefully investigating for giant chicken. Cal has fully lost, yeah, he's kinda lost what, the what is going on. He does understand that if he doesn't move forward, <laughs> land now gives him mean looks and so he makes sure to step cool really it's the pied fiddler leading a group of idiots away from town <laughs> there's just a lot going on and definitely you are getting watched you are getting looked at but not in a way that's setting off Corey's supernatural right. sense really we're drawing attention to ourselves yes but it is creating a degree of noise you know because he is definitely able to tell i am being stalked that's a different when that feeling comes up that's a very clear feeling but right. everyone in the street is watching and once you get kind of away from the center of town and probably will end up kind of on a thoroughfare the crowd's tenor will start to change in the sense that people don't really know what you're doing but you appear to be doing it with aplomb so you know a couple of kids might start running after you with sticks and people will clap confused wondering what weird flash mob is happening before they proceed. You know, a couple of people look down from the trolley as it goes overhead. You're making a spec. Right. Lando, you had mentioned that you also wanted to see if you could find large chicken prints because you know that Pocapoca's six spindly legs that fold up into the cabin end in large chicken feet. Well, in some places it's harder to tell in because the ground is beginning to warm up where the sun is hitting. But the sun is making its way up around the mountain. So there are still long shadows in the narrower alleyways and the narrower alleyways and the narrower streets that are facing with the shadows pointing west. You know, the western sides of buildings where the sun hasn't quite gotten yet. There are still tracks of either bits of either snow that is beginning to melt and leave puddles or had melted and left some puddles that had partially frozen. There are the spiderweb frost still left on these flagstones that haven't been walked on just yet today because this is a smaller side street. Nobody's come this way yet. And so I think probably what Lendau will end up doing is going down those smaller side streets, tending in the direction of the shadows where it is more likely on this stone surface there will still be of some kind. So, following down the path, when he first finds such a print, it will probably be a bit of a surprise, if only because Pocapoca, it has been described to you, is the size of a house. It has six giant legs and is the size of, you know, a good-sized two-story, you know, two-story log cabin, but, but... Yeah. 
Still, you saw the size of the foundation in the piazza. You know how big it is. The path where you find the first clear print in a patch of snow that looks like it may have kind of been pushed here from an old snow that happened. There's still some frost. There's still some puddles. This is kind of backed up toward the edge of some rock. The town still continues. There's just an outcropping here that has kept it sheltered in between these relatively close houses, which is to say it doesn't look like a two-story A-frame cabin should have been able to fit through here, or at least hmm. not without anyone noticing. And it's not like the print is tiny, probably three or four feet long from corner front toe to corner front toe. It's a big print. You find it in an alley that is probably six or seven feet from side of house to side of, well, it's not a house. It's like a work building perhaps one of the smaller guilds or knitting circles and a similar kind of storage building on the other side. The kinds of buildings that is very reasonable. Perhaps no one's working today or no one's here right now, which is why this has been undisturbed. Do you want to adjust or anything? We're going to do a little more narrative before we work around to the mechanics again. I'm just trying to give you more room to... Do we know about Poca Poca if they are tall enough to be walking their legs through this alley while their body or their torso house house torso let's go house torso would be above the roof of the buildings on either side of the alley or does it seem more likely that poka is able to make themselves small fulcrum can kind of judge that and probably i assume discuss it with landau i'll i'll, I'll say this out loud yeah if landau and fulcrum are eyeballing this alley and the path that the large tracks seem to take through here it's not unreasonable to think these buildings are not see they're tall but they are A-frame. So, it, you know, it's that kind of V between potentially, yes, Polka Polka could probably lift their whole body up. Landau, one of two things is true. Either Polka Polka was able to very gingerly and carefully, because you don't see any damage on either of these two structures, tilt themselves to squeeze through here. Or Polka Polka is actually quite adept in perhaps a non-Euclidean way of getting in and around their city, which isn't necessarily to say that they teleport or anything so outlandish, more just they might be able to very carefully slide through, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are unobserved or unheard when they do it, if that makes sense. Just that space may be less of a consideration. You know, I like to make notes in my big book. I'll even note a monster that I've heard about from the South, that when it moves through ravines in the desert, the ravines slide out of its way and then slide back into place once it has passed. Neat. Leaving no evidence of its passage. And I'll be like, maybe something similar is going on here. So would any of you like to do anything with that information? Well, it makes sense that a house can move through town without damaging things. Uh, otherwise, you probably wouldn't have a town there very long. <laughs> I think this is worth checking out. Sure. Are there? I'll like try and go down the, the alley to see if I can peer around and find, well, a, a house. <laughs> I mean, yes, the town continues over there. I kind of meant, does anyone want to ask questions, change tactics, proceed? You have learned a new piece of information, which is you do not necessarily have to find a large piazza to find where Poca Poca could have sat down. Everyone else make your pitch, but I do have something else. Noticing that the scones have been a hit with Gilly is going to start being a little bit more strict about rationing them, and 
I would like to say, Gilly, you get another one when you answer my question. Did did your mama go this way or did your mama go somewhere else and like pointing down the alley for this way and yeah i'll like hold the scone near my chest being like no you can't have it yet be like where's your mom which way did your mom go you know what go ahead well so the make the way that the make a deal move works is actually you would make a promise to someone and that kind of would be a hanging the way that hold works in this game is hold is a hanging success so you would make a deal with someone that you would do something to help them and then you would go and do that thing once you succeeded on doing that thing it's a placeholder okay so not as quickly succeeded as i now give you the scone that i've been withholding (laughs) it's no honestly it's more like (laughs) gilly would get hold from you if she promised that she would find Poca Poca for you and then you would give her the scout. Got it. That's more the exchange. Okay, so yeah, I think this is maybe either pull a thread or follow the trail. I mean, if you're legit asking Gilly for information... I think I am. I, <laughs> here's what I'm gonna go ahead and do for you. You hear a voice as someone goes, can I help you all? And you look over and you see a person maybe in their 20s, got short kind of wool cardigan on, like a thick leather skirt looks like a work kind of apron skirt kind of thing opening up one of the like what you thought was potentially a um a work building of some kind they are standing back at the entrance and looking at the person trying to bribe a mountain goat the person who is wearing a bunch of copper pots and the person with the fiddle and then the other one who's just kind of looking on in this whole situation can i help you we're looking for her human and also the town's monster and we and i kind of gesture at the chicken print we think that maybe they went this way but i'm hoping that she'll kind of have like a sense of where her mom might be are you coming in or going out i point at the building that like like one of them prizing the alley. I'm coming in. I come in and I open up in the morning. When did Poco Poco go by, you think? Sometime in the night, it sounds like, from what we heard from Bryn. And I say that looking to the rest of the group. Seems like she was out of character. I don't know if Poco Poco has pronouns or a gender Poco Poco has been in your presence referred to with he, it, and they. Okay, got it. Thank you. I think that Bryn said that he was there and Marjoram was, you know, around as of last night. So sometime in the night, uh, I say to the, the new person. And she kind of like, gosh, you can tell that like a couple of those names are don't really mean much. It is still a big town. Okay. But she will say, oh, I was here in the night. I normally know when Poca Poca goes around. I mean, it's obvious when Poca Poca goes around because, you know, the lights are on and you can hear them. And it's not like they... I suppose I did hear something odd. I, I thought it was the wind. Yeah, I guess it was kind of a, a shadow. Kind of went over the moon last night. Golly, I was here late because I was closing up. But yeah, a shadow kind of went over the moon in the night. There was kind of a stiff breeze. I, I suppose I'd wondered if it was a trolley. It was cold. It was real cold. I hadn't thought it... I mean, that, that's not how Poca Poca is. That's not her normal his normal well no of course not because the right, the right. his fires are always lit and the, the lights are always on in the windows so i have kind of a weird question for you or a, maybe a weirder question given the context could you describe to me the typical noises that poca poca might make and helen i'm pulling out my special equipment which is the variable shaped animal monster call and hoping that i can start to like get a sense of what kind of noise might be one that would call poca poca okay. or indicate in the range of like calls that Poca Poca might make. Go ahead and roll plus allure for me. Okay, 
2d6 plus that? Yeah. Okay. If it helps, I have a training in calming presence in Allure. I mean, I'm probably going to let you have it because there is indeed a gaggle of weirdos asking <laughs> strange questions of this person. I'm sorry. I think you mispronounced trained experts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. That's what she said. So then I'll, I'll roll 2d6 plus Allure plus one for calming presence, I assume. Yes. That's good. Go ahead. Okay. So thankful for that total is eight because of the plus two. Alrighty. So you have four options. You get to pick okay. one. First one, you know where the monster was last seen, or you know where to find a survivor of the monster's last attack, or you know the site of the monster's most recent rampage, or you know where the monster used to nest before it went berserk. You get to pick one of those pieces of information, but I am telling you in advance, because you got an eight, the information will be flawed in some fashion. That is something James knows, but Fulcrum will not. Okay. If you're wondering what is going to happen from the previous pull the thread or in harm's way, don't worry, I haven't forgotten. Great. I think I'm going to go with know where to find a survivor of the monster's last attack, of the monster's last attack. Mm. Okay. So I hear what you've chosen and part... <laughs> <laughs> And part, and you're just going to have to go with me that I hear what you've chosen. Okay. And I will honor and respect your choice. I so, <laughs> heard. She thinks for a second, looks at this contraption that you pull out, and I presume Fulcrum begins doing a little bit of a, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this? Yeah, and we'll be like blowing it, something like this? No, twist. Like, what about this? And then like doing a modulating call if it's not really hitting anything on the single notes. So she'll kind of eventually work around to, well, you know, maybe a little bit more of this, maybe a little bit more of this, and you eventually work out something that's honestly a little bit like a very large and gravelly turkey. You okay. know, a little bit like a <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> I'm so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> Feel free to cut that and put in like an actual turkey noise. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah one's staying. <laughs> That's fantastic, Ellen. Thank you. I'm making You're an welcome. executive decision <laughs> <laughs> that I have no authority to make. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And eventually she'll kind of work out. That's normally once you kind of reach the end of this, she'll kind of look down at the tracks that have been pointed out again and kind of look off toward that side of town. And it kind of it kind of slopes a little bit. So it's a little more sheltered from the sun. It's like, you know, that goes. I wonder if they've gone into the caves. And Landau being familiar with this area and everybody having had like two weeks of hard hiking with Landau to hear everything he has ever heard about Petra's Mall. One of the major industries in this town. One of the things that kind of put Petrosmell on the map is there are some large caverns and crevices that lead down to caves under and inside of the mountain and the space below that are filled with and made of massive crystals. And these are routinely mined and carved and the crystals are beautiful art objects, but also useful for various practical scientific scientific applications. Often these caves are studied by other specialists, but in addition to in addition to timber and mountain goat related products, mountain goats and mountain goat accessories in this town, <laughs> they they do a lot with these large crystal mines and these great crystal caverns. So she kind of points down, he could have gone down there. There's a more neighborhood down there, I guess. He could have gone there. He could have gone into that. It's just, I was here 
around pretty late last night and I just, I feel like I would have noticed if they went by because I always see the lights and I don't, I don't remember seeing the lights and I don't remember, yeah, there was the shadow, but that could have been a crawly and I suppose. Thank you. If something spooked him, it's possible he was, you know, trying to get away quickly. You what know, would spook? Low profile as much as a monster that is a two-story cabin can do. What would spook Boca Boca though? A four-story house monster? Thank you she for your kind help. Of... <laughs> okay. Said with utter sincerity. Like, I mean, if I was a two-story house, I feel like I might be spooked by a four-story house monster. Okay, good uh, luck. And, and which way was the caverns? And I'm checking specifically in, in this person's response on if it's... She just points. Okay. Was it in the same direction that the track yeah, was headed? Yeah, it's past and through to the town beyond there. And she, she opens up sort of work building and then uh, she goes inside. <laughs> uh, I turn to Gilly and I say, okay, now I know technically that person gave me the information, but I'm pretty sure it was because you look really cute. So you do get the scone. And I hand the scone when over Fulcrum to Gilly. reaches to hand the scone to Gilly, Fulcrum realizes that Gilly has already acquired uh, pretty much all of the scone that Fulcrum's fingers weren't on. <laughs> So really, they just hand Gilly the cord remnants of the scone. Incredible. And I'll just give Gilly like some rubs under their chin. You were saying, Jerry. I don't think that this is going, I mean, you can have me roll if you want, but mostly I'm doing this for flavor and because I think this is what Lando would do. Flavor is encouraged. I'm going to have Lando use the move Presto. You can do small acts of magic, create basic illusions, walk on water for a short time, very minor healing spells, that kind of thing. What I would like to do if you would let me, is I would like to use the snow drift on the side of one of these larger buildings. Mm -hmm. I would like to walk on it without sinking through the snow drift and just walk on the water to the roof. No, it's frozen water, but whatever, to the roof and just see if I can see a building that doesn't match the pattern with its lights on. You know, city planning makes sense. Like, hey, is there a small building that nuzzled down in between between two alleyways and has a bunch of lights on because that would be real easy go off it's worth checking that's what i'm saying <laughs> because you have presto here's what i'm not going to do i'm not going to make your roll for this part you can go up the building you, you can look out it's not so much that you're walking on the snow it's probably more like you're just gonna walk up this 45 degree incline because at that point it's not the snow and the ice sure it's not sinking in that's the problem it's just sliding but either way you can get up to the top of this A-frame and you can look out over the area and the best way to answer your question is you you can see the pattern out there has less to do with an organized planning grid and more to do with where was there too much mountain so we had to kind of just go around. It's kind of houses on areas that are flat and structures on arranged in such a way that they make best use of the space while still being navigable to everyone you know who needs to get in and out for things that's how you end up with the different levels on different cliffs that's how you end up with the wide central thoroughfares and everything like that the follow-on you said you are looking for houses with lights it is better to say at this stage we're starting to see more of the dawn more of the morning the sun is pretty well up there are definitely long shadows the lights are not as easy to see as the smoke from chimneys sure and in in 
the vast majority of these buildings, you see chimney smoke because it is cold. It's daytime, but it's definitely cold. People are up, people are lighting their hearth fires, they're going to be cooking, they're going to be warming their homes, they're going to be warming up, broadly speaking. And the pattern is less who has their lights on and more which few buildings now that people have started to get to work those would be the chimneys that weren't occupied potentially at night the thing to look for is which buildings don't have a chimney lit sure and there are a handful that's what he's saying what is what i'm telling you and i also want to, to look and see like which particularly of these houses that don't have their chimney smoking if any of them seem like they are out of place maybe a house just settled there instead of a house is supposed to be there and i have a specialty that might apply if you want me to roll what is your specialty I have a photographic memory. Okay. And since I've been here before, like, do I recognize like, hey, there wasn't a house there and it's right next to another house. And that doesn't make any sense. I bet that's a magic monster house. So <laughs> it sounds like we're getting toward a here's what I got move. So why don't you roll plus acuity? And Sweet. yes, you can add your photographic memory if that specialty is with your acuity. Well, that's one of my specialties, not one of my trainings or backgrounds. Sorry. Yes. Can you tell me your whole specialty sentence, please. Yeah, my whole specialty sentence is I have a photographic memory and it lets me draw everything I have seen. I am an excellent artist. Okay, so what we're going to say then is because the point of your specialty is that you don't necessarily have to roll these things. Lando is able to go and dig through not necessarily what's in his monster book, because this isn't necessarily specifically a monster thing, but in some of his other notes, he's able to find drawings he's made of Petra's mom. He is going to be able to comparing what he sees on the horizon uh, in terms of which chimneys are smoking and which ones are not, and what he has in his notes. He will be able to see potentially in kind of a cul-de-sac down there in one of the neighborhoods. It's difficult to see from this angle because he is again on top of a cabin looking down at a different section of town that is on varying levels from him. So he can't see everything about all of the buildings without going there. But he does think he can see a couple of roof lines that do not match his drawings. There is an area that he could potentially go. And is that in the direction that we were sort of indicated yes, to head? Yes, it is. Yes. I will point there. that out to everyone and say, I think we should go there. I think there might be a magic house breaking up the Heck city. yeah, we should go there. And see, I show the picture and then I sketch on a new page what it looks like now. And I'm like, see, they don't match. Uh, of course, I have put down my copper pots. And there it is. <laughs> okay, so I, I feel like I wasn't clear, and I want to make sure that I'm absolutely clear. You are all approaching the end of the diagnosis phase. The function of the diagnosis phase is to learn more about what's going on with the critter. And you have gotten what I think are some clues and insight into what's going on. But I, I do want to make sure, for your benefit and the listener's benefit, that I am not confused in my description because it is late at night as we are recording this and past my bedtime. So let's try 
to make it very clear. Lendow is able to use his presto magic to delicately scamper up the slick and icy uh, sharp angle of the A-frame log building beside him. Still obviously wearing the pots and pans because congratulations, you're going to be wearing those for the rest of the adventure. And he's able to look out across the section of town that is still somewhat sheltered from the sun. The sun is starting to hit over there, but the the shadows are still long. This is in a lower part of the valley that is closer up against the rise. So long westward shadows in that area. He is able to pull out his notes, shuffle them around, and see some past drawing sketches of Petrus Mall from previous times here. It's going to take a second of just comparing things because he's seen the skyline of Petrus Mall. He's had the opportunity to draw the different levels. He's been able to draw from inside one of the trolleys that goes up and down the different levels, but he hasn't been standing on top of this cabin, so it's a slightly different angle than he has in many of his notes. It will take a little bit of shuffling to get there, but he can because this is his special. What he is able to find, looking for a pattern in the different houses, yes, he is able to see an area of rooftops that looks odd. Two or three houses kind or buildings the way that they're structured unclear potentially from his angle the angle it was drawn at if you had to pick from where you're presently standing you could not say definitively without going over there that one that one is the sick chicken legged monster cat not from here what you can say is from that area two of those structures are the only two in that general area that don't have any any smoke rising from their chimneys, because that's the oddity, more than the pattern and placement of the structures, which, like I said, is largely dependent upon where the ground was flat enough to build in this rocky valley. Almost all of the chimney fires, hearth fires, are going, because it's cold, except in those two structures. There does not appear from there to be any smoke rising. Makes sense to me. I will relate that to the group. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's head over that way. Okay. Do we know where Marjoram live? Marjoram, for all intents and purposes, lives at the Guild Hall. This okay. is something that Landau would know. Sure. Marjoram kind of travels around the region so much, both on what she calls tours, where she's acting as a monster specialist in the region, uh, and just on her own recognizance, that she pretty much goes from Guild Hall to Guild Hall, and if she's not in the Guild Hall, she is living out of Gilly's saddlebags. She could also wander into any public structure and many private structures anywhere in the area and ask for a place to stay and it would 99 times in 100 be granted sure that's her deal okay fulcrum's gonna say to gilly like oh, we're gonna go find your mom we're gonna go find your mom and is pulling out another half of scone and being like come on come on does you gilly did. look at all like we're heading the right way i know what you mean the thing is gilly doesn't know where marjoram is if that makes sense okay which is part of the, like, Gilly was, to the best of anyone, what anyone can tell, Gilly was in the square, and whenever or wherever Marjoram and or Poka Poka went after, Gilly does not seem to know more than you all do. Gilly is here for the scones, and because Bryn kind of left her with you. Well, let's go to that area, because I have a theory. <laughs> okay. I would like to go to our next clue and see if my theory is disproven, and if it is not disproven, then I'm going to do 
do the here's what we got. You can make your way over into that section in the neighborhood. And because you are moving closer to the crystal caverns, this area is going to have more structures that have some stone in the design. This isn't necessarily as much residential as it is places where people stay who are working or between shifts or who are just kicking it around because, you know, they're off work. This is mainly where the mining happens and fewer people live on this section. There are still houses here, but honestly, it's hard to tell which are the houses and which it's a lot of the same general structure. Mm. But that is mostly to say at this hour, there are fewer people generally about in large part because since this is more heavily a working part of the community, work is being done. People are inside, people have gotten to work for their shifts. The ones who are working in warehouses, storehouses, or in lapidaries are in, in their shops shops are in buildings and the ones who are down in the caverns are down in the caverns there is some transit on the main thoroughfare which will lead you kind of into this section of the city but by and large there is less foot traffic on the smaller roads that kind of network in. I go looking for those two houses that didn't have things coming from their chimney. Cool. What you will find. It's one of them is made of crystal. <laughs> is that what I will find? No. James are you about to say something? I have something I'd like to do as we're getting closer to those buildings. I'm going to let you do this thing. What is it? So Fulcrum is going to be making periodic a variety of calls on the configuration of their uh, variable lore uh, with the intention of using in game mechanics terms the bond move. I would need to actually interact with Poka Poka, but it's I'm trying to establish a like exactly. Okay. So important question. Are you still playing the fiddle banging the pans in addition to Fulcrum making the, the monster turkey call? I think that call would be. He would have quieted down, but at this point... Now that we have an animal call, we think it might work. I'm stopping with the pot bang. At least the pots, we should stop. But I, I think actually the fiddle plus the oh, call yeah. might combine to be like a calming Yeah, weave it thing. around the call. Yeah, ooh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fulcrum starts to see what you're doing and then is using the call to interject movements in the, in the music you're playing. There are many industries in which being an expert in that industry looks almost exactly like being a total incompetent doing anything else. <laughs> and I am willing to bet that Monster Vet is one of those industries. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a lot like making theater props. Why are you painting that potato? Stop it, you moron. Right? You have to be able to see it from a distance. That's why. Corey's not making any noise or sound. He's not like intentionally banging anything. But he's focused on the two buildings that don't have smoke coming out of them. I'm trying to get towards the closer. What's important to know, and, and here's where I'm going to jump into narrative a little bit. And here's where some of the roles that you made previously are going to come into play. There is room between these structures, but it is difficult from the ground to see them until you are up on them. The two houses, well, really, it was a section of probably three houses, but there were two that were the likely candidates based on having nothing coming out of chimneys. You're going to kind of come up into this cul-de-sac, tucked in to tucked in against some stone, kind of before there's much you can do about it. And it's going to be once you have 
stepped into this area that the hairs are going to prickle on the back of Corey's neck. And to answer your question, Jared, no, Landau does not see a house made of crystal. Even if I use my see-through illusions? Indeed, he does not see a house made of crystal. Um, What he sees as he's walking in with the, the fiddle playing and the turkey call, and honestly, just looking at his notes, shuffling the paper in front of him, what's going to happen is he's going to step in a puddle and in the jostling, and it, it normally wouldn't attract much attention. There are puddles here, melted snow in the cobbles and whatnot. It doesn't really get his attention until he starts to smell the acrid stench of leather simmering and looks down and sees that the puddle has a strange kind of oil slick shimmer on it that reflects an iridescent gold, like water mixed with something oily, something foul, something that has a stench to it, something that has splashed on his boot and is causing it to smoke is a strong word, but there is definitely a scent. And that's when Corey is going to feel the hairs prickling on the back of his neck that he's being watched. And that's when Landau is presumably going to look at his notes, look at that structure in front of him and realize that of the two, this one is another probably storehouse building. Harder to tell from farther away, but up close. The roof doesn't necessarily look right. It has, this might just be closed for now. And it's the building behind them that when Fulcrum hits that perfect blast on the monster collar and Cal follows that up with a sick fiddle riff. And it just just gets real pitchy. There is a shuddering and a rumble as turning around the cobbles behind you crunch under the claws that begin to extend from beneath the porch of the cabin behind you with the darkened windows and a puddle forming a larger puddle than the one you stepped in underneath the front stoop. There is a cold wind as the shutters rattle and the door flaps open and it sounds like a wheezing breath. It sounds like a growl. There is water dripping from the gutter spouts and the steps and it drags it like just kind of crunches and unfolds almost painfully as if it's reacting to the sound and it definitely definitely growls congratulations you have finished the diagnostic phase you have found polka polka and you have definitely found evidence of the false gold if that was your question Jared you stepped in it yeah I was gonna be like is the thing I stepped in false gold the thing that you stepped in is associated with false gold yes can I make that roll for the bond move? Um, Not just yet. Here's okay. what we are going to do. We are going to let you roll. Here's what we. Here's what I got though, because okay. it is important for the synthesis phase. You have already gotten. It is definitely false gold. But there is more that you can get out of this move. So I am gonna let somebody roll plus acuity for here's what I got, and then we're gonna move on. Well, I have plus one on acuity, and my training for that is monster biology. So that feels like it might very well roll. 
Okay. Fair. Should yeah, be the one to I roll? think so. I'm happy not to because I've rolled a lot, but it seems like that's going to be yes. really helpful. Unless you're willing to fight Jared for it. Jared, roll. I get plus two for my background, right? No, plus one. So I have a total of plus two, which means I'm sitting at a 10. All right, 10 and up. So you get to pick two. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you your options are Mark One Clock segment is successful. You don't need to worry about that. We're good there. I got that. So really, you have gain a session ace. You know where the monster is headed next or learn the name and effects of one wound. Name and effects of one wound and session ace, please. Okay, session ace. Somebody record that. Got it. Name and effects of one wound. Every time that Polka Polka has been described to you up to this point, oh no, Polka Polka has been described as a place of light and warmth and welcome. And what just got up hissing and sputtering and wheezing like a cold breeze behind you is a darkened house with no fire in the hearth, no lanterns or candles in the windows, with dripping water like leaking pipes or runoff from ice and snow. What you're looking at suggests strongly to you that Polka Polka's fire is out. A logistics question. Just because the bond move is it's a diagnosis move that also affects where we start the symbiosis phase in case I get a good roll on it. So I just wanted to see if there's an opportunity to roll at a Here's what I'm going to do. We are, for all intents and purposes, going to move out of the diagnosis phase. However, comma. These phases are uh, loosey-goosey. Okay, cool. So I'm going to let you try and roll that at the beginning of the symbiosis phase. Got it. It's weird that this is a diagnosis phase. I'm going to let you roll that as a synthesis move because you are about to enter the synthesis phase. Does that make sense? Uh, diagnosis is figuring out what you can ahead of time. Synthesis is figuring out how you're going to address what's wrong with it. Okay. And symbiosis is doing so. Those are the broad phases. It is going to be a little bit more, synthesis and symbiosis are going to be a little bit more wrapped together for our purposes. Okay, cool. But basically the point is, I will let you do that at some point. I can think of a few different places where you might think that it could come up. Okay. It just, yeah, I, I didn't want to like... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, not going to restrict you to doing that as a diagnosis move because I okay. think it can have benefits at either the di um, diagnosis or synthesis phases. Okay. Sounds good. That works for me. Prognosis does give you all one more option to gain a critical ace. I am going to give you that opportunity, okay? So you have three successful segments. You do not have a full success, or you do not have a full four successful segments, but someone roll 2d6 and then add three. If you get a 10 and up, you get a critical success and you get to ask me a question about the cure. If you get a seven to nine, you can either get a critical ace or ask me a question about the cure. James, why don't you roll? So that is with the plus three, a nine. Okay, critical ace, or you can ask me one question about the cure. Discuss with party. I think an ace is more useful. Yeah, I, th I think there are things we know from context that lead us in the direction of possible cures. I like the idea of taking a critical ace here. Good idea. Someone yeah. record that. So you have a session ace and a critical ace, and you will be able to use those during symbiosis to try and overcome wherever you are on the control track. All right, sweet. I said uh, that I you could do, uh, what was that move you wanted to do? 
Um, it's the bond move, which is the in the diagnosis phase. Okay. Well, we're just going to go ahead. Why don't you tell us about that move? <clears throat> so in spending time near Poca Poca uh, and trying to figure out what's wrong with it, I'm going to try to bond with it by rolling plus a lore. On a 10 plus, I make connection with Poca Poca, uh, and we start the symbiosis phase one spot up the control track. On a 7 and 9, I fail to make a connection, but I may spend a supply to ask the mentor, which I think is you, Helen, a question about how to appear to the monster but if we don't have a mentor then i think it's like 10 or bust i believe mentor is the term for gm in this no the guide is the term for gm ah. mentor is a, a they have mechanics for a oh uh, it's the GM, a gm character who functions as an intermediary a mentor like actually a mentor who functions kind of as a semi-pc semi-npc and they actually provide a lot of guidance on how to integrate them without it being weird in the way that sometimes gm characters can be they actually do they provide some assistance with that. In this particular case, you do not have a mentor with you at the moment, but if you would like, why don't you go ahead and make that roll anyway? Okay, and the way I'm doing this is I'm playing that turkey call from the variable monster call and yeah, yeah. doing it in kind of low, not distressed, just doing the like, trying to call. Yeah, trying to sure. calm Poca Poca to be like, not a threat. Please don't stomp me. We could be buds. And... Paint me a picture with your words. Uh, tell me it as Fulcrum is doing. So like, call, and then we're going to figure this out. Just like, why don't you just come down, lower lower your frame. Just why don't you come down here. We'll figure out what's happened with your hearth fire. And I like look over at uh, Landau, who I believe figured that out. Right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out, and and you're gonna be fine. Just just give us a second. Call again. Uh, I'm Fulcrum. I understand you're a Poca Poca. So the monster begins, you know, kind of pauses in its lifting and kind of trembles. Uh, did you go ahead and roll that? You can just use that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I rolled snake eyes. You rolled snake eyes, did you? <laughs> and with second snake eyes of the game. With my plus one to Allure, that is a total of three. That is a total of three. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Cool. So, Poca Poca stops. You see the boards holding up the thatch on Poca Poca's roof line begin to buckle such that it's almost like watching hackles raise under the fur of the thatch roof. And you hear a deep rushing. All of a sudden, the front doors and windows all open and out of the front doors come shards of icicle as might break off of an overhang on the roof. You are able to get out of the way, but they will shoot and hit where you were as you all just dodge, leap out of the way, leap to the sides, and there is another echoing bellow that you can hear the frustration and fear and discomfort in, the pain in the voice of this house. But you also hear another sound. You hear a very human yell, and you see up in the uppermost window, hanging weirdly like on the side of the window frame, 
hand and hand, and then pulling as if pulling. Now, from an angle, she appears to be moving sideways, but pulling as if the ground is to her side. You see a head, which Landa will recognize. That's Marjorie. Kind of wild hair, big goggles on, which are which are sitting on the forehead. Soot appears to be speckled on, on her face and on her hands. And you hear, you know, grunting with great effort and a yell. How does Majorum look like they're doing? From what you can see, she doesn't look injured. But clearly she is falling and holding herself up like climbing. But also she's coming from the side of the window, not the bottom of the window. So that's odd. But she, you know, waves an arm. And you can see because the shutters are open and yells down. You have to get inside. You won't be able to get through the shell. I'll let you all react quickly before things escalate. But I will say, I believe previously it was you, James, who made the move to find a victim of the monster's rampage. And I told you that I remembered that and you found her. Yeah, right we there. got uh, a critical ace game. Yes, so she's <laughs> you, you found it. You she's did say it. I, I, yep. I, we, I did it, you guys, though. No. We also have one of the other kind of aces as well. Yes, you have accumulated a couple of aces. These will be important when you move to control phase. For now, however, comma, really quickly, all of you figure out the scene for a second. I will let you all react quickly if you want to react quickly. And then, you know, there, there isn't really an initiative, but I've done some things. You can do a thing. I would like to pause and okay. go over a rule thing for our listener. Things are broken into multiple phases. This this is the second of three phases. This is the phase where you kind of figure out what exactly is wrong, and the next phase is where you cure. So yes, you are moving into the synthesis phase. The monsters will have a number of wounds that cause them to act. Could be one, could be more. This is the phase where you figure that out. And rules-wise, GM, how do we go about doing that? So the diagnosis phase is where you figure out what the different you know, what as much as you can, you diagnose the actual illness, how it is expressing in the wounds. The synthesis phase, which you've moved into now, is actually where you accumulate the tools that you will need or the cures that you can figure to come up with a solution to, to cure these wounds and get the additional information from the environment, from the, you know, the people in the area. Uh, as to how you will approach this. So that's what this phase is. You have the information that you have from the diagnosis phase. The synthesis phase is getting the tools that you need, whether they are physical or formative, and then moving from there into the symbiosis phase, which is the next phase. They don't have to be super rigid phases. If you want to move a little bit more freeform, and we are doing a little bit of freeform here, then you can, obviously, but that's the general structure that the mechanics present, which is how you end up with the phases that have different moves associated. And that. just to be clear, the wound that we have discovered, and as far as we know is the only wound, is the hearth is out. That is the wound you know about so far, yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was saying. That's what we figured out in the diagnosis phase. And as far as we know, is the only one. So this is going to be us trying to figure out how we fix that. And then the third phase will try and be us actually fixing that. The other problem that you have to address in this phase is potentially how you're going to get into the house. Let's hop back in game. I just wanted to make the, the goal of the phase we were in and all that clear because I don't know that we explained it before we started. So, who would like to do anything? I've got something. I also have something. So, I also something. Paint me a scene with your words. 
going right off of what Marjoram yelled out to us. Fulcrum yells, thank you! And then kind of shifting their gaze ever so slightly back to Poka Poka. But like I was saying, you know, we've all been hurt before. We, things happen to us. But, but you know, we just got to... And I'm, I'm running forward towards the area underneath the frame of Poka Poka slash their legs. Okay. To try and get them to lower their body to the ground. Possibly to attack or defend from me. But then also to make it possibly easier to access the door. Okay, that's what you're doing. Ben, you said oh, yeah. Kyle he wants to uh, climb up. Okay, well, uh, Polka Polka is presently like 13 feet off the ground. So. What about the legs? Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to try and grab yeah, one of Yeah, I want to try and climb up uh, Polka Polka's legs, do a free climb. So, your plan is to just jump on? I'm just trying to get you to describe it. Well, no, what I was debating is, is of course, I have my monster thunder shirt. Okay. I would love to deploy the monster thunder shirt. As I'm running towards Polka Polka, I'm going to throw what looks like just a normal cloak, but it's going to continue to expand like a weighted thunder shirt. Okay. Not and wrap around Polka Polka, not in a way that mechanically obstructs its movements in any way, but that does provide that comforting swaddling feel okay that's what cal's yes. planning to do we're gonna do moves okay. here in a second yep. i just want to get the scene and jerry did you say landau at something landau is gonna yell i think the best way in may be through the chimney and i am going to take my nice winter gear and i'm going to start to assemble what is essentially a homemade chimney broom <laughs> uh-huh. that I'm going to try to use to gain entrance through the chimney when it comes time. I'm going to throw this out there, right? If you all get inside now, you will be rattling around inside of the house that is a monster that may or may not be trying to eat you, and you will potentially not have anything on hand to address the wounds that you find inside. Fair enough. But follow your heart. That might be reckless, but... We at least need to get to our friend Marjoram and get her down... Granted, there might be more wounds that we find, but we have standard camping gear, which includes, like, a flint, so we have a way to at least deal with the wound we know about. That is absolutely the case. So let's go back through the options for synthesis moves and let's talk about what it all it is that you want to do. Now, Cal, you want to climb up. Meanwhile, Fulcrum, are you trying to climb up or are you just trying to bait Poka Poka into smashing you? Just trying to get Poka Poka to to lower the main section of the house. Then Um, do you two potentially want to say there's some teaming up going on? Yeah. I'm happy to do that. If, I mean, if we're both moving towards Poka Poka, if I get Poka Poka to come down, I think that makes it easier for Cal to climb their legs or jump onto a porch or something like that, whether that's to get inside or to go get Marjoram. Well, I'm going to say that we're going to just go ahead and, like, the Treasured Insight is technically in the diagnosis section, but I am completely on board with providing a mechanical benefit to a help-type action. So if if you want to say that Fulcrum is helping Cal, then I will let you roll with Allure. If you would like to, depending on what you get, perhaps pass the benefit off to Cal when Cal rolls uh, with Golly. Figure out what Cal Isn't it Force? If, yeah, force, force works for me. Force or Grit seem like the two that apply to me. Does my calming present in Allure apply to this? See, normally I would say yes, but you rolled Snake Eyes on your bond. <laughs> that is fair. So, yeah, that's real. 
That's like your your presence is so calming that I want to eat you. It's possible. Fulcrum is a professional. It's possible the turkey call is making Polka Polka angrier. <laughs> Fair. That is a total roll of eight. So you're in the seven to nine. Uh, you will be able to give a plus one, but you have to describe how you get in the way just like a little bit. We're going to hold off on that real quick while Cal makes a force roll with a plus one. So I could let you all stack plus ones on this. Yes, if we wanted to do that. What does the team think of that? That is not that is not the way that Treasured Insight is written. I'm fine with you all doing that. I don't think that Landau would be helping right now. Like Landau is building this right. thing and looking for somebody to talk to. Is there anybody else around? I mean, yes, we are in a fraction of a moment because uh, one of your buddies is attempting to just straddle a chicken leg. And they should do that first. But I, I just wanted to let you know that like, I am actively well, looking for citizenry. Polka Polka uh, has just bellowed and fired icicles at you and is now definitely standing just about, if not at its full height. So if nothing else, everyone in this neighborhood is presently having the experience of what in the hell was that, you know, and kind of like looking in this direction because A, that's not a sound they will recognize Poca Poca making and B, Poca Poca behaving as weirdly as as they've ever seen it behave. So yes, there you are going to be able to find people around. Right. Yeah. Where lady like looks at her tea and it ripples a bit. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what's occurred. 30 feet that way, you will find the road that will probably have a handful of people on it. You are in relatively a cramped space. Great. They can resolve their climbing. I just wanted to let you know what I was hoping to do at some point. Gotcha. Ben, go ahead and make that roll. What am I rolling? I mean, force. You're rolling I mean, plus force. 2d6. Oh, yeah. You're rolling 2d6. Also, I think you're probably doing a take on the world roll. Go ahead and roll force, and you get to add a plus one. Right. I rolled two fours, um, plus one on my force. Plus one from me. And then plus one. So you're at a so you're at a 10 up. Nice. You get to pick two of the following. Of your four options, mark one clock segment as successful, gain a session ace, gain one supply, and learn the named effects of one wound. So, Cal is able to huck his thunder shirt at Polka Polka. And it's not going to go over the whole... Does it have a magical property that lets it expand over the entire house? Or is it... You know, just a relatively large. I was thinking it was magical. Magical is absolutely fine. So like from tea towel to California King sheet or tea towel to we've tented the house for roaches. Like what are you thinking? I mean, I was thinking that it would go up to tent size, that it expanded to fit. Okay. Right. Fit a monster. Um, Large or small. So Cal shakes it out and tosses it. It goes and... Probably what manages to make it work is that Polka Polka is not paying attention to Cal because it is so angry, apparently, at Fulcrum, just kind of skittering around in one place, kind of the way a cat does when you move the laser pointer under their feet. And they're like, ah, God, the thunder shirt goes over and starts to wrap around the thatch holding. And that's what's probably going to be able to give Cal the grip to start to hold on. So tell me what it is you would like, what two options you would like from this take on the world. So I definitely want one of them to be uh, the last one. Learn more about one of the wounds. Uh Uh-huh. 
and I kind of want to pull the group because I personally think filling in one of the sections on the floor. I think that's a very good idea. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Yeah. Yes, because of course we use clocks here and there are only so many moves that fill in sections on the clock. So we're going to go ahead and mark one as successful. Also, I know how Fulcrum gets in the way. Tell me how Fulcrum gets in the way, James. Uh, while trying to do the classic Metal Gear Solid strategy of run between the thing's giant legs, Fulcrum doesn't fully process what Cal is about to do. And I think I get caught inside the tent of the monster thunder shirt. Yeah, like so <laughs> like it feeling kinda... so good about helping and then it's like fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, it kind of starts to do the, like, purse sign net thing where it kind of goes over and then cinches like a fitted sheet and yeah. kind of scoops and knocks. And I think Fulcrum doesn't necessarily get caught inside, but definitely gets knocked around, which slows them down. So as Polka Polka jerks suddenly, it's going to throw Cal off. Not, like, off of Polka Polka, just... The grip has been knocked askew, which is not a bad thing necessarily, because where he is positioned, with this not necessarily preventing him from seeing that window where Marjoram is, the way it's kind of wrapped around, he's not like he's put the monster in a sack, it's more like it's gone around the thatch and buttoned itself up. So you can still see the facing of the building. But as Cal is hanging there sideways a bit, he realizes he's still sideways after a moment. Still sideways as he's on the side. In fact, he has the same facing that Marjoram has. And, and you can still kind of see her. She's kind of slipped back down around the side. But it is now definitely clear that... Whatever else is going on with Polka Polka's hearth, something is changing how space and orientation is working inside of Polka Polka. Meaning, very likely, if you are to go inside, it will also change potentially not just how you wander around inside of Polka Polka, but how you find your way around inside Polka Polka. On that note, Polka Polka feeling this thing wrapping around it, feeling that something is now crawling around on top of their thatch, jerks all the way to the top of its legs at the height of its extension and just leaps, just absolutely kicks off and leaps sidelong and off like a shot. You see an entire house lift itself up over the roof lines and just start <laughs> going. Damn. Cal, you're still on it. Meanwhile. That's good. Lando, you are able to find someone because just probably in that moment, you will see a handful of people rush to kind of the end of the, the street that reaches the cul-de-sac where you all were, looking very confused and concerned. I will yell to the crowd, who's been in Side polka polka. <laughs> I mean, they just they look at each other like we didn't even know polka polka was here. Focus on me. Who's been inside Polka Polka? What kind of information are you trying to get? As soon as anyone identifies themselves, I'm going to ask what the inside of the house appears to be made of. So like once you've clarified, they will say, oh yeah, we, we've all at different points been inside. In general, like recently, not recently, but like in general, yes, absolutely. I mean, it looks like a... I, I am seeking wisdom. Cool. Why don't you go ahead and uh, make, make that roll then? It's kind of like the balance of, is this the kind of 
question where you're asking for something that it would be beneficial to roll for, or is this general knowledge? I know that a problem I'm going to have is I'm going yes. to need to restart a fire. I want to be prepped for other potential problems that I could find inside a house. So like, do I need woodworking tools? Do I need, like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. So yeah, go ahead and roll Seeking Wisdom. This is going to be plus Allure. So I got an eight, but my Allure is minus one. So that comes out to a seven. Okay, ask me two questions. One of them will be, uh, one of them I will answer truthfully. The other I will answer with a lie. I can ask any two questions. Yep. No, there's, there's no list. Yeah. What are the insides of Poca Poca appear to be made of? And are there any entrances other than the door? Okay. You're asking the group who's right there. And it's a handful of people who were just on the street a moment ago. One of them will speak up who, you know, appears to be an older guy. Kind of shakes his head. He's like, well, uh, the, the, I've always figured it was made of whatever Poca Poca really is. Like it may look like wood, may look like stone or anything else that you'd normally find inside of a house. But I've always figured it's, it's not really, right? It's the outside's the shell, right? Um, and then somebody else will speak up. I think I've, I think I've seen that there's, you know where the legs go up in at the bottom? There's kind of a cellar there and that's where the legs kind of come in and out. And I, I think it can open and close. So I think you can get up into there. Sure. While you're thinking about what to do with that information, Ryan, what's Corey doing? Sure. So to set the scene for me, Fulcrum is trying to assemble a chimney broom. No, uh, Landau is trying to assemble a chimney broom while asking for more information from this collection of townsfolk who have just rushed to the end of the the street in the cul-de-sac here. Right. Fulcrum is probably honestly on their ass because they were just kind of bowled over by the thunder shirt. You're not even sure where Gilly is at this point. And Cal was hanging off of Polka Polka as he just went away that way. Right, and, and Poca Poca stood up taller than the nearby houses on its legs and started to, like, high step over them and walk away. No, more like st- started to grasshopper away. <laughs> well, that's much worse for Marjoram and I mean, side. you haven't heard any large house, you know, crashing into other house noises. Yeah. And you do recall from earlier that Poca Poca probably has a way of getting around in this space without necessarily moving through it in the traditional sense. Right. Because otherwise there probably wouldn't be a village here anymore. And Poca Poca is gone. From where you are standing, yes, you are surrounded by buildings and Poca Poca is that way. Great. I take off down the street and like skid as I get sit from the, the cul-de-sac and start to just sprint, trying to hopefully keep Poca Poca and perhaps Cal in line of sight. If I have to okay. make a choice, if I see Cal go shooting off in some direction, I'd like to go towards Cal. Okay. <laughs> Think about it for a little bit. Let me know when there is something specific you might want to do. If there is something you want to ask me about the immediate environs that might assist 
assist you with with your plan. Jared, did you have any did did you have anything you wanted to do next now that Landau has that information? Yeah, these people suck. They're not very helpful, but Landau has decided he has seen time, space, gravity, whatever work differently inside. I am going to try and assemble. I don't necessarily know what move this would be, but I would like a really, really, really long, strong rope. Okay. I think I need that. You know, honestly, yeah. I think it's either shopping list or novel application. Can we metagame? You can talk amongst yourselves. That's fine. Uh, I have a pack rat. I can just have a rope. Sure. Heck yeah. Yeah. I would like your big ass rope. The things that you will need to use shopping list for and novel and novel application for are things that are going to be special in some way, which you might well need, but you know. I thought this might be special because I want a rope that I can have wrapped around me and around something inside or like outside or, or around a different person so that as I go from room to room in Poca Poca no matter what space is doing inside there, I can find my way back out. Honestly, Ryan, pack rat means that you start with five prep. If you want to tell me I want a two prep rope, then I will never ask you questions again about sure. the quality of your rope. So as you see me skidding underneath a, a street light as I about to take off, you see I have this, this huge, well-constructed, like, silk rope that for some reason on top of my backpack. I will just go ahead and tell you, Jared, you will be covered for rope. Great. However, comma, other things that you may want to approach this, if you want to think about it, that's fine. But Ryan is able to help you with rope because I want to let people use the moves that they have. No, I mean, I, I have everything that I need from my crazy, crazy plan. Okay. So, and when I get that rope, you let me know. I'm ready to try and be nuts here. Okay. Well, I'm going to hop over real quick. Let's fall from the I'm not sure. I'm not trapped inside. I just got knocked around a bit. You did. Yes. So, like, it, it kind of bold fulcrum over, but they are still on solid ground. I'm not sure yet. Well, I don't have a cunning plan, but I was going to say if I can use the, okay, here's the plan to help with what Landau was working on with the very big rope, I could do that or I could... Well, the very big rope is set. If y'all want to just touch base again, the information that you have available to you, is you know broadly speaking what the wounds, what two wounds are, how connected they are, and what other effects they're going to have once you are trying to get control of the monster. Unclear. You know the fire is out. You know that whatever allows Poco Poco normally to move through physical space without disrupting the houses around is funky. I think before I do my thing, I would roll a, okay, here's the plan. Because sure. why have a crazy plan if you're not going to tell people about it? I was just trying to see if there was anything I could offer to help you guys because you seem stuck. So if you're good, then we can progress to that point. I also have a crazy plan. Great. Potentially do two here's the plans and pick one. Great. I'm going to be clear with you, <laughs> Helen. I don't know if I'm good, but I've got an idea. That's fantastic. I'm going inside. Well, we're going to get... Okay. Why don't we go and deal with you? Then? I'm just saying, I'm okay. not stuck. Well, you're a bit stuck because you are careening through the air holding <laughs> on by your I am hands. physically stuck. Narratively. Yes, physically, narratively, <laughs> Cal is stuck. Ben is fine. So before we proceed to whatever crazy plans you would like to do at this point, Ben, the wind is presently whistling through Cal's hair as Polka Polka is 
just grasshoppering around the city. Good news, to the best of your knowledge, Bokoboka has not crushed any structures underneath their weight. They've just kind of bounded street and narrow side street to narrow side street. They've bounced off of rocks a couple of times. You've heard a lot of screaming and questions and pointing. This is clearly odd behavior. You're pretty sure you've gone over one of the cable trolleys a couple of times. Yeah, so what's Cal thinking? Cal is just trying to get over to Majora. Majori. Marjoram. I don't know how you, yeah, I don't know why how you've mispronounced that name every single way humanly. Because I keep thinking of Majori Taylor Green. Marjorie? Marjorie. Just think of her as a butter substitute and let's Marjorie move on. Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah, I guess. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to say that. Actually, helps. Uh, stuck to the side of Poco Poco. Anyway, anyway, I want to try and climb my way over to her, Uncharted style. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, good luck with that quick time event. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just debating whether I'm going to make a role take on the world, and I think I am, Do because it. you plummeting off of the side of Poka Poka as it leaps is worth the potential. So yeah, go ahead and roll plus force. Eleven. Eleven. Amazing. I rolled two fives, and I've kept rolling just for fun, and I'm rolling five, so I'm very... Okay, well, the point is, you got an eleven, so pick two. Mark a clock segment is successful. Gain a session ace. Gain one supply, learn the name and effects of one wound. Learn the name and effects of one wound and another... If I were perhaps being gentle yeah. with you, yes, that I could say that maybe you don't need to worry about learning the name <laughs> effects of one wound. Okay, maybe fair enough. Maybe there are two wounds, and maybe you figured out what they are. I appreciate that. I'm being nice to you. Go ahead. An ace and one takeoff. Okay, so yeah, somebody mark down that you have a session ace, so that you have all those organized. We now have two session aces. Great. Okay, so the way we're going to represent this, then, yes, I'm going to say that Cal is going to be able to, you know, grabbing the thunder shirt, but probably more than that, trying, since it's compressing the thatch, trying to grab as much of the thatch with the shirt as possible in order to get around and then timing it with Poka Poka's leaps in order to pull himself around to the window, which Marjoram, once she sees what he's doing, uh, you do hear, it's very difficult to hear, but you will hear, oh my goodness, that's <laughs> incredibly dangerous and there's a hand that grabs yours and will yank Cal over the edge and he will find himself hanging from the windowsill with Marjoram there and mainly I'm going to say the benefit of your session ace and the benefit of your clock segment is well at least one of you is inside and at least one of you is now talking to Marjoram so you're probably going to be able to look around the space that you're in you know there will be another thunk thunk and then leap as Poka Poka is going flashing back over to Corey and Landau and Fulcrum or particularly Corey because I recall that Corey was trying to keep Poka Poka in sight. Initial concern Poka Poka is grasshoppering around however comma Corey will note they could be going much farther afield. Mm -hmm. They appear to be staying in the part of the, the city that is closer to the map 
mountain closer to the forests. The sun is definitely rising, but there are still larger patches of shade and shadow, particularly at like the foot of the uh, some of the carved cliff faces. And so Poca Poca tends to be staying out of like the direct open sunlight. Sure. Poca Poca tends to be staying near the edges of switchbacks and things like that. Okay. So you are able to find, you know, follow at least in the area because it's not like Pokepoke is herring out into the hinterlands. Right. I'm about to do something potentially that puts me farther from half the party. That's perfectly okay. What's your plan? I run up to Gilly and try to hop on Gilly's back and I say, come on Gilly, we gotta get your mom. And then I take a handful of treats and throw them forward in the direction of where I saw Pokepoke leaping, using Gilly as a mount to try and sheepdog Pokepoke and just like run some circles around to be like, no, stay Stay in here. Stay in here. I'm thinking I'm going to let you do this as potentially a take on the world because, you know, the bad thing that happens here is Poka Poka, sure. you know, kicks you or something. And then kind of with this framework, though, I would like to work it into Cal and Lando's okay. wild plan because Jared, Brian, you had mentioned you both have wild plans. Yeah, we should say them to each other and then pick one. Okay, well, fortunately, Gilly is beside herself. So you will have a second as Fulcrum. You will first have to calm Gilly. So the three of you converse about your scheme while Fulcrum is calming Gilly and then we will be able to implement. How's that sound? I'm good with that. I am going to be using treats to bribe Gilly into calming down before trying to go off in this direction and I'll say to the two of you, I'm going to try and wrangle Poka Poka. Will that be helpful to your plans? Okay, so here's the plan. I'm going to take this rope and this plunger and I'm going to use my magic to glide off the rooftop of one of these buildings onto the roof of Poka Poka. I'm going to dangle the rope out so that someone else can come with me or pull me back out depending on the level of safety inside. And then I'm going to tie one end around my waist and I'm going to go down through the chimney into Poka Poka. And I'm going to try and make a beeline with myself and whoever else comes with me straight towards the uh, hearth. Okay. I'm really good at starting fires. I can help you with that. You should come with me once I tie it around. I want to figure out a way to help sedate Poka Poka. I don't know what it's like inside when it's hopping around like that, maybe it's normal and everything's, well, it's not normal, everything's sideways. Maybe it's not horrible, but if it reflects what the house is doing, that would be pretty bad for us to be in there. I want to figure out a way to put something, introduce something when we're in there to calm it down, which I believe is an okay, here's the plan move. That feels like a novel application to me, but it could be a here's the plan. I don't know. And that's either a novel application or it's a shopping list. I think probably shopping list is fine. Okay. Because what you're talking about is a medicine. You're talking about some sort right. of sedative to calm Poka Poka. Down. So before they go ahead and roll, if one of you would like to roll, here's the plan. You, Ryan, you can roll plus acuity for shopping list. Okay. And we can start there. Sure. Sure. I'll roll here's the plan. Does my training and anesthesiology apply here? You know, it does. Well, that's sweet. What'd you get, Jared? I got a 13. Um, and am I rolling take on the world? Not just yet. You will be, but just a sec. Here's the plan, guys. <laughs> so I got a 10 up. So we mark one clock segment 
correct and I ask you two of the following questions. Uh The two I would like to ask you are, what do I need to make this plan work? And what is unforeseen risk? Because I know all about the foreseen risks. There are are some pretty obvious foreseeable risks. Tell me about the the parts that don't involve flying into a monster. Real quick though, Ryan, shopping list. What did you roll? I got a 12. Nice. Okay. It's okay. I have it right here. You know where to get it. You know, you know who has it, where is it. Why don't you think about it for a second? I'm going to pop back to you in a second. First, I'm going to tell Jared the answer to his questions. But then I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to ask you, Coriander, what is the thing that you're looking for? You're going to tell me the answer to that question. Okay. So you're going to make it up. Jared, you asked me, what do I need to make this plan work? And you asked me, what is one unforeseen risk to this plan? Your plan is, of course, to sled down and up one of the A-frame house roofs. Like, I have the, the magic move to, like, use the minor magic to glide from a roof to the roof of Pokemon. Right. And then... And you were going to use the plunger... Just to, like, help me... So, I mean, probably bringing too much real world into this. Soot is mega gritty. Yeah. So to base push below me so I don't get stuck in the chimney and so that I can enter via chimney while hanging the rope out for any of my companions to follow me. Gotcha. So your plan is to get onto the roof and then use the plunger to help you, the, the chimney sweep, yeah. to essentially break whatever might be in the way as you go down the chimney to get inside. Yes. Great. While having a rope that is fastened to the outside so that my hanging down from the outside so that my companions can join. Cool. What do you need to make this plan work? Honestly, I think the better question to ask you first is unforeseen risk. You know that Poca Poca's fire is out. You do not know necessarily why Poca Poca's fire is out or what is preventing Poca Poca from creating fire. Does that make sense? Yeah, which is why going in the chimney seems like a break place to go in. But unforeseen risk, there could be pointy stuff in there. Even more than that, if Pocopoca's fire is out, it's also possible there's no hearth there. It's possible sure. that something is preventing the fire. It's possible that something is in there. You see what I'm saying? You have identified where the problem is. You have identified that you need to get inside. You have not necessarily proposed what you intend to do about the problem once you're there. Okay, here's my adjusted scheme. Fulcrum being the tough guy who gets bit a lot. I'm still going to fly over there and I'm going to secure the rope. Then Fulcrum's going to climb up it and go in first with my chimney sweep instead of me going in. Because if there's anything pointy on the other end, Fulcrum has a much better chance of telling us about it than I do. (laughs) Okay. And if you get stuck, the two of us out here can pull you up if there is no longer an exit to the chimney. Fulcrum is using treats to bribe Gilly into calming down. Looks over at you as you say that and then looks at Gilly and hands Gilly a treat and then eats one themselves being like i think i need to calm myself down <laughs> okay give me some of those scooby snacks <laughs> that sounds great cool <laughs> what do we need to make this plan work good answer to that one is uh you're going to be able to get up to the roof you're going to have the trailing rope the house is still jumping around so maybe another way for your companions to get a hold of that long trailing rope reliably a plan even if it's like in conjunction Junction with Fulcrum's plan, wait at this spot and grab the rope when it goes over, yeah. anything like that. Use Gilly and Gilly's speed to jump and grab the rope. 
and then climb up Gilly's back. That way Gilly can still be involved in the plan. Does that seem like a thing we can do? I say to Gilly, does that seem like a thing we can do? Like stern, like serious face, like level one. Brains directly in your face. Strong maybe, <laughs> I say back to Landau. <laughs> Gilly is having a day. A gold-plated shmeeby. Great. Coriander. Yes. Describe to me the thing that you want to use to calm down this house. Sure. A common trend in my study of anesthesiology, monster anesthesiology, uh, among domestic types monsters, such as ones that mimic houses or, or, or things of that nature, are calming scents that people associate with home. So what would really help, hopefully, bring some measure of calm here is something nice and hearty, particularly at the time of day. So I think a nice, hearty meat stew to take in there to help spread the aroma around inside and bring back some semblance of normalcy. I like that idea. Luckily, there's a meat stew vendor right down the road right here. I mean, Literally, yes. You can look down this road and like probably they're a bit confused and wondering what in the world is going on, but there is definitely a covered large cart where some vendor who is wearing another lovely knitted wool sweater and an apron uh, is standing there with a steaming vat of stew. I imagine them with a very bushy mustache. Incredibly bushy. The bushiest. Let's, let's quickly have this conversation and then we will proceed. As I'm running up to him, trying to keep Poco Poco in sight. I'm in the Monster Care Squad. I need some stew to help calm down Poco Poco. Kind of peers at you a little bit startled, and then you see the young woman at, at his arm, also a lovely knitted wool sweater. You're you're with the guild. Oh, it kind of looks in the direction of Poco Poco, looks at you. I'm like running in place, hopping from foot to foot. Pointing at the massive vat. Will this work? And she picks up a cauldron that is pretty big. You will probably need Gilly's help in order to really get it moving. But yes, that will work for your purposes. That'd be perfect. Great. All right. And quickly, a bunch of ladling begins happening. So, James, you said you wanted to do Gilly trying to corral and herd and shepherd. Yes, with the modifications to fit the new plan. Right. So your original plan will probably work pretty well as y'all are watching Polka Polka leaping about. Probably because Polka Polka is hanging out in a specific area of the town probably you could herd Poco Poco forward a ways mm -hmm. and then pretty mm -hmm. reliably expect that Poco Poco will bounce, try and double back over you. You know, in the way that when you are chasing something that knows very well it can get, when you're chasing a cat, the cat generally knows pretty well if it needs sure. to, it can get back through your legs. So it is perfectly okay to run from you, but knows that it can double back. In this case, okay. Coca-Cola yeah. knows it can jump over you. So I'm going to say that we're going to make one more roll. This is okay. going to be your take on the world roll. And then we're going to proceed with the pharmacy set, okay? We're going to proceed with one more roll through your take on the world just to see what else we can get out of here and then we're going to proceed with pharmacy. Okay, I'm rolling this with force, correct? Yes, you are. Narratively speaking, it's less your force than Gilly's force. It's not like you're forcing Gilly, but Gilly is within it. <laughs> Does Gilly get a plus to force? <laughs> no, we're using your force for this. That's fair. With my force of plus zero, uh -huh. that's a seven total. That's a seven total. Okay. Mark one clock segment is successful. Gain a session ace. Gain one supply for the name and effects formula, which again, don't worry about that last one. Clock, clock, clock. Well, going to mark a clock segment as successful with these clocks seven. successful as it is all right so nice the clock is full time to move on congratulations you have a great place in this regard so every member of the group you're going to be able to name something that you're taking with you into the confrontation and just to review the bidding that appears to be from 
coriander, vat of stew from Landau, chimney sweep. And super long rope. Yes, chimney sweep and the best rope. Fulcrum, gilly, I assume. And the power of edibles. Right. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Cal, you're bringing marjoram. Marjoram is what you're yep. bringing. Okay. I'm bringing marjoram. Yes. Nice. So, well, out of critical ace, those are all the things that you're bringing into the confrontation. Now, we're going to move okay. on nice. to the symbiosis phase. The symbiosis phase is not controlled by a clock. Instead, the symbiosis phase is controlled by the control track, which is a track of, of dice from D4 to D12. This is a notional track. Both you and Polka Polka are on this track. You are all going to begin at D4. Polka Polka is going to begin at D12. The moves that take place in the course of this phase and your successes and failures are going to move you up or down the track. Monster is going to push you back and move up as well as you push it back and move up. In the course of this phase, whenever you are able to push the monster on the track and advance, you are able to attempt to cure one of the wounds. This is a relatively difficult role. However, you are able to use the session aces that you've been collecting up to this point to help you. So remember, we have two session aces and a critical ace at this point. And they add a d4 and a d8 respectively, and you can only use one on a roll. I think you have two critical aces. Did you guys get a critical ace at the end of the diagnosis phase? We did. I did not think we got one at the end of symbiosis. You did. You got one at the end of symbi uh, synthesis. So we, so we have two and two. All right. Where we last left our intrepid heroes, I believe Landau was planning to climb up a roof in order to do a essentially speed skater jump off of an A-frame roof onto Polka Polka as it nails by. With magic. I'm using magic. Yes, that is what is allowing you to do a speed skater <laughs> sail up and jump off of the roof from standing on the ground. Correct. You are using magic. Yes. I mean, the cable trolleys are right there, but okay. No, my way is way cooler. Okay. And also, I have magic. <laughs> I go ahead and put cable trolleys in the game. Nobody else sees the cable trolley. That's fine. I'm not broken up about it. So, why don't you go ahead. I'm going to use the presto move, and then you tell me what to roll. You can use presto instead of we're going up there. That's fine. I can do small acts of magic, guys. So presto is not a thing that gives you a specific thing. So as a result, presto is just you can do this. Yeah. We're going to use this because there aren't specific mechanics in here, but this is one of the things you had to choose to put on your sheet. So I'm going to reward that mechanical element by modifying the symbiosis move. We're going up there, sure. which is the name of the move. I'm going to say you're going to be able to get there. So we're going to take moving back on the control track, which wouldn't be good at this phase. It would force you all to retreat off the table entirely. We're going to say that you're going to get to Poka Poka. Whether sure. you like where you end up or not will be what this roll is, okay? So you're gonna roll plus force. So describe this to me as you go and roll plus force. I climb up the A-frame using Presto, you know, just making the nice snow on the side of the building, you know, in the lee of the building solid footsteps like i did the last time i used presto and then when i get up to the top of the building i do exactly what you start i use presto to make what you said i use presto to make my feet slick but controlled so that i really get going down that a-frame and then leap into the air and use presto magnifying the air currents 
to help me land on the roof of Poca Poca. Let's roll. As it's leaping. Yeah. By. We're both leaping here. You are going to be able to time this. I, I'm going to say that the, like, the spine of the roof, you're able to just a perfect slick track of ice. And it's even got, like, the little, the little carved ram's heads on the front and the back of the spine of the roof there. The ice is able to just a perfect ramp. So if you want to just go ripping down that thing and leap, you're going to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. I got a nine. You got a nine. Okay. So the seven to nine section, you get stranded halfway there, spend an ace to move up one on the control track or lose your footing. In this case, you're still not going to... We should use a session ace and move up. What ends up happening is Landau is able to get there. He is able to time it, but he's just going to need to... Poca Poca is still kind of twisting and it was harder to tell from the ground just how... Oh, it turned Turns out up here, you know, the house is also moving just slightly off kilter. It is slightly turning in the air as it is adjusting. So that last bit, he probably has to huck the chimney sweep up and have it loop itself. It's very dramatic around the chimney, but for a little bit is going to be dangling on the end of that rope sure. in order to make it all the way up is what we're going to say. But you will be able to move up one on the control track because you spent a session ace. So you are all now at D six on the control track. Nice. Yay. Meanwhile, uh, ground team. I believe the plan was it is coriander, fulcrum, gilly, and this pot of stew. So are the two of you <laughs> and the pot of stew on gilly's back in order to time this out? I guess we are. <laughs> I will say in Gilly's defense, Gilly is the size of a horse and like a good sized horse and a goat. Uh, Gilly is able to get the two of you on her back and she can probably make this leap. However, if you both want to go up with Gilly and the vat of stew, it will be a much easier ride. Either if you dump some supply or one of you goes a different way. Well, one of you should climb up the rope that I will be dangling once I am safe. Well, you will all be using the rope, but again, the house is leaping. So it's a matter of timing your leap to catch the rope. You see what I mean? Sure. So Gilly is providing the propulsion at one point. I'm putting to you all, are you both going to go by Gilly? I'm willing to spend the point of supply. Okay, so you're going to dump a chunk of supply. So this is actually probably more like prep, yeah? Well, we have a default okay, of one sorry. point of yes, supply. Yes, and we're dumping your one point of supply. So we just have your prep, your three prep left, because you spent two on the very nice rope. Dumping the extra heavy pack, this is probably more of some of your camping gear, honestly. You think you will both be able to make it up leaping on Gilly, or at least Fulcrum communicating with Gilly about this to the best of their ability. Gilly is not sure about the whole situation, but seems to think that... <laughs> She's willing to go in on your, your plan. Sure. Okay, so Cal, you are now inside the structure. And I'm going to do a, just a quick description for you before I bounce back to the other two. And the other two are going to be able to try and get up you two just kind of think through your process in order to describe it to me before I bounce back from Cal. Okay, so sure. Ben, Cal will be able to kind yes. of look around. And again, Cal is now on the inside of the window, on the inside of Poca Poca, hanging from hey. the windowsill next to Marjorie. <laughs> 
who is not very tall, a bit slight, just lots of hair. Very frizzy, kind of tied back in a ponytail, but messed up a bit because you get the impression she's had a bit of a time. Yeah, right? it's been a uh, it's been But as you're both there, you'll say, ha, huh, well, okay, now we're both here. Great. And then she'll let go of the windowsill and she will fall not super far, but like a distance and land what you had previously perceived as sideways, but now actually looking at it is the floor. And it's six feet is a bit of a distance for like the window to be from the floor, but there's a lot going on in this house. She lands, she's now standing what appears to be on the floor for where your gravity is set. If Cal follows her, he will be able to look around and see that the interior of Polka Polka, in addition to being cold and gray with weird patches of light and shadow flickering around the walls as all of the windows have incoming light that's changing dramatically as Polka Polka leaps and moves and changes direction. You don't feel any of that, but you see the way that the light is coming in through the windows moving suddenly, and it's a bit jarring. More jarring is the fact that the inside of Polka Polka appears to have been peeled like an orange. So you have floorboards that kind of spiral sideways and move. Gravity is shifting in the middle of a set of steps. And so the steps just bend themselves sidelong. And not having seen Polka Polka before, you can see where there are things hanging on the wall, pictures that are hanging on the wall that are askew. There's a door that seems to just be the frame with no actual door in it over on what may have at one time been a balcony or perhaps to an upstairs, you can see chairs that are just making a gentle circuit up and down above you along, like they're scooting along a twisted upper level that is upside down from your perspective. And they're just kind of rocking back and forth along this tilted track, just scuffing as if moving on on the deck of a ship. It is damp in here, is drafty in here. The curtains are askew, they feel flat. There is a scent kind of like mildew that accumulates in a house that has been aired out for a while. It just looks ragged and unloved. There is probably one of the few things that hasn't been moved about. The big center, I mean, it's difficult to see what this room used to look like. But what you can see is there is a huge central chimney. comes down through the apex of the roof. Brick altogether. It does have a little bit of a kink in the neck, but it largely still comes down in the direction you believe down to be, which is sideways from you, and terminates in a massive bell-shaped brick hearth that sets down on the ground and you can see that there is a fountain almost golden ichor it's just spilling down among the bricks oozing almost like sickly honey oozing from the mortar of the bricks in the kind of well of the hearth itself where normally there would be a huge roaring joyful fire gross yeah so since i i have not come down the chimney yet 
Yeah, I'm looking down the chimney and see. Them. I'm gonna get back to you in a second. I'm just trying to do. So I did. I did you. I did uh, establish where the others are. I'm just checking in because this is what he would have seen before you made your incredible leap. So I'm just giving sure. him an opportunity if he wants. Uh, uh, if Cal wants to do anything, ask Marjoram anything in this moment. I mean, he's gonna ask Marjoram. Did you see when the fire went out? No, no, no. So I got here and Pokepoke was acting very strangely. Very strangely. This is not normal. Hi, I'm Marjoram, by the way. This isn't normal, and I don't want you to have the bad impression of Pokepoke. Clearly, you're not well. No, no, no. He, yes, clearly. Right. It's, it's very sick. Sure. So here's the, here's the thing. I wrote a letter. Are you with Landau by any chance? I'm with the Monster Care Squad. With the guilt, yes. But I, I right, big. right. And she reaches into her pouch and she pulls out this palm size, what appears to be like a a compass. It's this beautiful, ornate brass, very old style brass compass. There are no cardinal indications on the face of the compass. There is a needle, and really the only way that you would recognize it, you you know what a compass looks like. But it's not like the needle is just going haywire, right? I found this. And I was going to talk to some of my colleagues about it because it was doing this for a while. And then last night, it stopped doing this. It's doing this again, right? But last night, it stopped doing this and it just started pointing in a direction, which wasn't north. Just to put that aside, it was pointing and I followed it and it led me to Pocapoca, which I thought was odd. And I, I could see that Pocapoca didn't seem well. And then and I hesitate to use the word eight, but I was there on the porch and trying to interact with Pocapoca and the door opened. And again, eight is a strong word, but I was very suddenly no longer outside of Pocapoca. I was suddenly inside of Pocapoca and it was a very confusing moment. But you understand, Pocapoca was like this when I got here. Yes. Um, and very, again, very out of sorts. So I'll let you digest that for a second. Meanwhile, uh, the other two of you, you're going to be able to make your leap land out. You're going to be able to get up to the roof with your stick wrapped around the chimney. And Polka is leaping back on the ground. Fulcrum and Cory are with Gilly and they have the pot of stew. I am going to ask you two to give me a roll just because, I, again, not so much because you're not going to be able to get to there, both between Landau's use of the rope and your uh, sacrifice a supply. You're going to be able to get to Poca Poca. Again, it's going to be more, are you going to like where you end up? So I'm actually thinking, do you want to roll we're going up there or do you want to roll set them up? I think set them up. Set them up is better for me. Yeah, I think set them up also works for like the... Yeah, and like you are trying to generally herd Poca Poca such that you can get at the rope that uh, has been left for you. Right? Yeah, the trickery element. I'm definitely having Gilly like faint in direction to like get Pokapoka to leap when they might not have wanted to in a direction that benefits us. But then I quickly, when it if it works, quickly abandon that path and go in a direction to like keep hurting them so that they're in the area we need them to be, where the rope can be, where the gliding can okay. occur. Okay. Well, then why don't you uh, decide between the two of you who wants to roll plus five? I have a plus one and five. You have the better one. Great. This doesn't work like the thing before where I rolled to add a bonus, right? This is just your, uh, your roll. I mean, this, I'm not, this I'm is, I, I'm presently I'm running this sure. It's just one of you is rolling. Okay, sounds good. All right. Four. Great. So, again, you're going to time this. Polka Polka is leaping. Gilly is curving Polka Polka. You are going toward the edge of one of these switchback cliffs. 
uh, and you are pretty sure, based on how you've been going back and forth a little bit with Boca Polka at this point, you think that they'll jump back to try and double back over you once they get to the edge in order to stay in this kind of area of town. You are able to push Polka Polka. Polka Polka reaches the edge of the cliff as you predicted. And just as the moment that it is starting to bounce and double back, it moves without crossing distance and is now directly in front of you just as Gilly is leaping and where you thought there was going to be some space, there is in fact just the wide open front door, <laughs> much wider than it was before, with the wood on either side crinkling open in sharp boards and then all of a sudden the bright lights of outside snap out and you are inside Polka Polka all of a sudden and because of course Gilly was not expecting to all of a sudden be inside of something Gilly was expecting to land the best thing that happens mainly is can one of you I will give one of you an opportunity between the two of you and this isn't a normal move this is kind of just a randomizer one of you roll acuity because right, Corey is probably holding the pot. 2d6 plus your acuity. Total of seven. So you are going to move back down the control track because all of you come crashing to a halt inside. However, you are able to grab as you are leaping. Fulcrum is going to be able to grab the end of the rope that Landau put down. And so that's going to help slow. So Gilly is going to go skidding in and fortunately is a large goat. So she'll be okay. But the two of you, most <laughs> importantly, don't spill the soup. And you don't go careening into the gold font of false gold in this massive bell-shaped hearth that's there. And you have something to hold on to when gravity suddenly shifts in a different direction and you are now dangling through the front door. So now back okay. to you, Lando. You can now look down the chimney and see this. So... I mean, also, Cal, you had just turned from Marjoram's you know, comment and all of a sudden the doors crashed open and Gil came sailing in, as well as your friends, who Corey is trying his best to hold the lid on this pot, of, this massive pot of stew. It smells so good. It's honestly immediately a bit of an improvement, <laughs> and he hasn't even taken off the lid. So I'm going to look at this fountain of ichor. Yeah, you are staring directly down into it. Yeah, it doesn't seem great. Ugh. It's very much like it's beating on and seeping out of the mortar that's holding the bricks together and then flowing and pooling in the hearth. And it's not great. Yeah, I hate that. You know who also hates it? Polka Polka hates it. <laughs> I imagine that I am not alone in my hating of this. If I put my giant chimney sweep below me like a pogo stick, do I feel like I can safely avoid the false goal? You... <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> you can certainly, certainly try. try. You know what? <laughs> to hell with it. Fuck it. Let's do it. That's what Landau would do. My friends are in danger. I gotta help them. It's time to chimney sweep, pogo sweep to victory. I mean, you're gonna be able to no, slide yeah. down the chimney. Yeah, right? the question is what happens to me when I get to the bottom. Well, so that's the thing. You're a professional. This is not the first time that you have been around the false gold liquor. You know you don't want it to spend any real time on you, and you really don't want it on your skin. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. But if you get out of it, it's not going to like eat through you. Generally, if you're quick about it, you're going to be able to get out. It's less a concern about what happens there. And it's more a concern about what's going to happen to gravity when you hit the bottom of this thing. You know, we all have things we have to live with. We do. We do all have things we have to live with. So uh, (laughs) you can just go ahead and slide down that thing if you want. Yeah, we're doing it. Cool. Sometimes the things we have to live with are watching our friends hurtle down a chimney into a pool of ichor. For real. So there you go. Uh, you're going to be able to, with your chimney, and, and honestly, holding your holding it directly down is probably going to be less useful to you than holding it slightly at an angle so it can maybe slow your descent a little bit. That makes sense. And indeed, you're going to be able to hit the bottom. Go ahead and just... For the sake of argument, can you just toss one d6 and tell me what it is? Sometimes I need a randomizer. It's a five. Okay, you hit the bottom. Monk. And just for a second, like dancing out of the icker as as quickly as he can, Lando is able to get to like the main portion of the heart. And like there's a second where it's like, oh, okay, I'm fine. And then there's like another step. And even though you are definitely stepping on what appears to be a solid surface, it's very much like that I have stepped and there was no stair there and you go tumbling but you go tumbling pretty much into you start to go pretty much into where the other two are dangling on a rope so now you're together and i will say you have the two ends of the rope because they came in through the front door with one and you brought the other one i believe down the chimney Yes, I did. So you now have a loop that is holding on to Poca Poca and you have two ends of it. I tie it around myself and say you guys should do the same so that we kind of perpetually are attached to this thing. Once Marjoram sees you Uh, all uh, and... This is probably the first time you'll you'll see Marjoram in here. Uh, I mean, you saw her at the window, but, the, you know, run over to the edge and wave and like, here, here, just well, hold on, we'll help. Between Cal and Marjoram and you all swinging, you're going to be able to get from kind of swinging semi in the middle of this room up onto the same ledge that Cal and Marjoram are on. Gilly, meanwhile, is standing sideways, okay. like on the chimney. She's fine. She appears to be fine. Oh, no. She's just very confused, but happy to see Marjorie. She's being a goat. So yeah, you're all together. Okay. Glad I could help facilitate that reunion. Um, I look for a place to put the stew. Oh, how does it feel like the house we're in is jumping around town? Like it, it does not. Good. Obviously, <laughs> up and down are already a bit, a bit fucky, but they're not constantly in motion. Okay. Great. I would like to find some place to set the stew. You are presently standing on the ledge that is below the window. If you'd like to just set it down there, that is an option. There's also, like, what kind of thing are you yeah. looking for? What are you looking for the stew to do uh, at this phase? Like, what is... I want to put it down someplace that's maybe stable or stabler and open the lid so it can start to air through Poco Poco. So it almost kind of sounds like you're trying to attempt a cure here. Does sound like that. Sure. Correct. You do not presently have control. The way that we are manifesting that in this context is since gaining control is you have to have just moved up on the track. Y'all will need to make control that is I have a suggestion. Go for it. We could try to do this as a we go on three because 
because one of the holds can be used to advance the control track. That's true. Okay. I have a relevant training to help you with this if, if, you, if you want to. Sure. Talk amongst yourselves in character. As a home chef, I imagine I could probably figure out the way to best spread the hearty smells of a, a well-made stew throughout the home as quickly as possible. Even more so because I am currently dangling on a rope and my body could be used to waft the smell around. That's absolutely <laughs> oh, ridiculous, and I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, are you holding on to the rope? You are all presently, you have the rope. Okay. So, like, and you know that if you swing back out there, you're going to go all kinds of places. <laughs> but you will still be attached to, to the rope. Okay, sure. Why don't we tie you to the rope or, or whoever and then they can hold the pot to help stabilize it in case something unexpected happens which i'm sure will never happen in here a chandelier goes uh, drifting by and then we can start fanning the air above the pot i look for like a ratty pillow from some furniture that's just been shattered in here marjoram will happily oh yeah yeah, yeah she'll be here I grabbed onto this when I first went flying without, like, a musty curtain set. You just take a piece of this. Fantastic. Thank you. And then I'll look around the, like, Escher-esque mm -hmm. cottage. <laughs> I look for a place, like, through a doorway or through a corner room that just twists that seems to, like, be going somewhere else. So I want to aim the scent as I waft it out of the room so it starts to hopefully circulate through the entire space. So the fact that the the inside of this house appears to have been deconstructed is going to help. You are kind of standing in a de facto great room. So, uh, and also, <laughs> honestly, because you know that gravity is moving weirdly, if you poured out the stew, it's not like it would just fall to the ground. The ground is everywhere. <laughs> That's, oh that's my sure. god, that's perfect. Uh, my plan B, if we didn't actually make it inside, was to just huck the pot of stew in here. <laughs> like, well, the aroma's yes. in there now. So, okay, well, why don't we go ahead then, and who is going to help with this plan? And dis you know, I think Fulcrum. Okay, think so Fulcrum. Corey and Fulcrum are going to do this. Yeah. And let's see, you're both going to roll what feels appropriate here. Kind of feels like fine to me, I'll be honest, because you're you're trying to finagle yeah, it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's also where I yeah. have home shelf. Yeah. Okay, so both of you roll plus fine. So my background in fine is bacon. <laughs> yes, go on. <laughs> so how familiar would I be in the aromatic geometry? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows if you bake something good enough, people will just float towards the smell of it. I just want you to know, dear, I'm going to say aromatic geometry from now on as often as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my other option was geometric aroma, but that felt too Lovecrafty. <laughs> Like, you smell it and yeah. then you go mad. Okay, pull the group. Am I going to let him use baking <laughs> to help with this scheme? As much as I want to say yes, <sighs> cooking and baking are distinct things, and stews are not baked. Oh, oh, that's a... Oh, man. I wasn't I was on the border. I was on the, the rule of cool, but I think that. that James is correct. Look, your rule of cool, you're about to create an endless stew waterfall, okay? <laughs> that's fine. You're good. 
<laughs> right. Go ahead and roll. You don't. We, you don't need to add your fate. Uh, okay. Okay. Fine. So both James yes, and I both roll plus acuity. No, uh, plus fine. Plus fine. Oh, fine. Right. Plus fine. Yes. Yeah. I got a ten. Uh, okay. Nine on the dice plus home chef. Great. Well, you have a whole. Okay. So for for seven yes. through nine, you're safe. But you botched the plan and lost something important. I was going to say, I've lost the stew because I have now poured the stew in the Escheresque hallway. <laughs> nice. So that is no longer something we can pull on. But apparently there was some success, maybe? I believe we get a hold and we can use that hold to yes, advance on the control correct. track. So I think we're going to go with what you said, Ryan. You've used the stew. This is where you've used the stew. Alternatively, what was your item? magical bola. Would you like to have temporarily lost that? Oh, uh, if it means I can attempt the cure check with Well, the yeah, stew? and that the, the yes. stew is the heart of your oh, plan. Nice. And there was a success yeah. in your plan. So if there's something else that you'd like to lose... No, that's fine. Okay. So because there was a hold, I'm going to let you choose what you lose. Yeah, so as I, like, spin in place so I can get momentum and huck the stew out of the yeah. pot. So probably what happens is the bolas being weighted, they swing from your belt, hit a different pocket, and honestly snap themselves off your belt unless you want to do something else with it. So the way I was, I was going to describe them had I gotten a chance to throw them. But we're inside, so that's probably not going to come up again. It looks like a, a kind of golden sphere, like baseball-sized, intricate workings on it, carvings. And when I threw it, it would separate into two smaller spheres connected with the, the rope in the, in the middle. So it, I, I accidentally clip it with the pot, and it goes flying off and splits into two, and just starts rotating down the, the endless, twisted hallway, spreading the stew as it, like, spirals through yeah, it. Yeah, just kind of, like, orbiting the great room area, really. Which is real weird to watch. Not as weird, though, as the waterfall, endless waterfall of stew that has poured out of this kettle and is now, like, watching liquid in, at the space station. Just kind of rolling around, hitting pockets of gravity and changing, sloshing and changing direction. And there's just, it's staying relatively together because it's still falling. It's just odd. Occasionally <laughs> spills over some furniture or like a landing and like falls off and then goes straight back up. But you will notice immediately, it does smell wonderful in here. All of a sudden there is the dampness doesn't seem as a, as like it's affecting quite as much. Would you guys like to, you're adva you've advanced on the control track, would you guys like to attempt to cure? You are now at the D6. So you're going to be able to, and let me just, so I'll make sure that I'm not lying to you and the listeners and myself. You're going to roll for the cure with where you are on the control track. You are shooting for a 10 and up. For, for just straight up healing it without a loss. There is still the seven to seven to nine for an intermediate success. There will be some cost to it. I think we should use a critical ace on this bad boy. Okay, you wanna use a critical ace? Uh, that's fine. Uh, critical ace is a D8. Great, yes, add the D8. So 
Great. You roll a d6 and then you roll a d8. Go for it. Yeah, I think your stew plan is well Sure. I take the curtain and I, like, watch the Mobius fountain of stew. <laughs> I, like, pause for a little bit and then hesitantly bring it up and start to flap it at a place where I think the stew will be, but is not there yet. Or maybe once time collapses, we'll be there. Thank you, Sargon. Nice. I got a 10. All right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> That's what you needed in order to not take a consequence of some kind. So you're flapping at it with this curtain and you've got the bolas loose and you're kind of swinging on the rope that you went out on in order to pour the stew. There's a lot of tense acrobatics happening right now. And it's all kind of complicated by the fact that the house is, begins to shudder pretty much as soon as the, the stew kind of hits the air and spills out. The walls kind of begin to shudder. The floorboards splinter and crackle a little bit like Polka Polka has sensed something has changed. And you initially aren't sure what any of this means, what any of this is going to do until the stew hits the heart. And then all of a sudden it just it goes flat. It makes sense because you can see Gilly standing on the hearth. So it pours down over the brick and it spills and splashes up against where the false gold is. And it begins to shudder out and almost like it is neutralizing it or washing it away, just washing in with a splash of ichor. You start to see the glow in the hearth fade and there is a sigh. It suddenly doesn't feel as cold in here. It doesn't feel quite nice. as wet or grim. The inside does still have that kind of non-Euclidean Escher-esque thing going on. You are still technically sideways and the chairs are still skidding above you on a bent upside down. But whatever you have done, the kind of nourishing the love poured into this stew has splashed over and kind of washed out the false gold that was sticking inside the heart. So that wound is gone. The fire is not nice. presently lit, but if you are no longer going to be prevented from lighting it by the fact that there is gross acidic goo all over the inside. <laughs> yeah, totally. There appears to be one more wound, which is of course that Polka Polka's ability to move through space has been compromised. But we're going to reset the track. You're back to D4. What would you like to do next? Uh, talk amongst yourselves take it in character if you want let's do it I think I can learn something about them, I say to the group. What, what feels most important right now as I'm like dangling from this rope and like trying to get it tied around me? As part of getting the 10 up on cure, tell the table something you notice when you're applying the cure. Is that the ability to move through space has been compromised? You already knew that because that's the expression of one of the wounds. That's a good point. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay, as Falcon is saying that, and perhaps it's because of Corey's vantage point, he starts to notice that what appeared on the walls with a weird harsh upsetting glow from the hearth it kind of casts some weird light around the room with that gone it is now easier to see what appeared to be like peeling wallpaper in places on the walls is now much clearer it still looks faded but Corey could once he kind of gets back 
to the spot on the landing, kick at it, he sees a faint shadow, and pull off what appears to be a sheet. And it looks like a child's drawing. It looks like a house, just like Polka Polka in like bright, happy reds and oranges. You can see a smiling face in the side of the house. You can see the smoke curl coming up the chimney. You can see all of that. And that is under a rough blue crayon that has swirled all over it angrily, you know, like scratching it all out and stuck it up on this wall. The paper feels damp and crumbly stuck it up on this wall with the drawing facing away, which is why you hadn't noticed it before with everything else going on. But Corey can realize, you know, part of it is stew seeping into the wall, peeling it off, is like the whole, all the walls are papered with what appear to be drawings and notes. Corey can point this out, but there are lots of these. I think the walls are coated with something that it's confusing Poca Poca. Let me see. They're ripping it down. Marjorie will come over. Oh, huh. Um, what I would like to do, and this is not an attempt to cure, I know we need to get the control track up, but mm -hmm. might lead to one. Yeah. I'm going to pull out my big book of drawings, uh -huh. and I'm going to rip out the page where I drew Poca Poca sitting peacefully the last time, and I'm going to pin it against the wall. Uh-huh. Yo. Okay. That's great. I'm hoping that that maybe moves us up the control track or something. I don't know. I don't know mechanically what to do, but it seems- When Marjoram sees him do this, she says, Good thinking! Yes! It's like the Solstice Fest. It's like what we do at the Lantern Festival. What? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And like, vaguely recall, one of the first people you met in town talking about what they do every solstice with Poca Poca, where they decorate the outside with boughs of, of the pines that are out, and they hang lanterns, paper lanterns, all over the outside. And then the kids run inside and just go nuts. They draw on everything, they knock over the furniture, they jump on the furniture, they run around yelling and screaming, do all the stuff that they're not not allowed to do at their own home. They just light it up with childhood joy. And then they all leave and go home and all of the adults come in and pick up the mess. And Marjoram is explaining and, and we do it every year and it, it always just warms everybody up in the communities. They definitely draw, I mean, they frequently they draw on the walls, but it would make sense that Poca Poca would keep some of the drawings because he does love the children. And so it makes sense, but it's terrible what's happened, but that makes sense. So do we think he needs more drawings or do we think we need to tidy up or create new joy, right? I might be able to help here, actually. Kind of answers the question I was asking before with the what information would be helpful. So Helen, with your yeah. permission, Fulcrum goes up to the hearth, which is not lit. He's not presently correct. lit. No. Well, hold on. Also, remember, you're standing on a ledge a little bit away. I'm going to swing myself, like hit on a swing, legs, you know, back and forth to like get momentum to like get over towards the hearth. I just need to get enough to rip it. Because I promised you that if you spent to prep, I would never ask you questions about a rope again. And the fact that you have a rope coming down through the chimney you can you can do this yes love when i'm able to get enough momentum on the the return swing to grab onto the hearth i just grab it and like pull it close to my body and like press my cheek up against it and i exclaim oh you beautiful house beast that could totally kill me please tell me what you need done inside your home and i am going to use the crikey move to roll a lore and ask the guide for a piece of information about the the monster's abilities, demeanor, or habits. Okay. 
Well then, go okay, ahead and roll that plus a lore. Can I add my calming presence? I think you can. I think you've treat. been sufficiently punished for your snake eye. Mm, okay, fine. Still, that's enough. You will still be able to ask me for a piece of information, and you will be you will have a plus one forward as long as you use that information. However, comma, you will be okay. able to choose something from that list you have in front of you that you would like to do. I recommend that you don't take the one to step back on the control trip. <laughs> no. I will not be doing that. Helen, who do I, which of my allies do I place in danger? You should honestly ask them. Hey, y'all, which of you do well, I place in danger? You're tied to a rope that leads to now. me that could tug me out of the thing. So it seems like Landau is the obvious choice. You and I are tethered to Yeah, that That's pretty true. does make sense to me. <laughs> so what I'm going to go ahead and say then is the, all of the bricks like shudder and like a rumble goes up the chimney. And fortunately, as a professional, Fulcrum is able to leap back from the hearth before the rush of flame bursts down through the bell and fills the whole bell and chimney. And this is definitely not a tame flame. Like, this is not a happy fire. This is overcompensating fire, which throws Fulcrum off. So they stumble back and that yanks on the rope and jerks Landau out into space. Help! Yeah. If you'd like, you can spend an ace Oops. to uh, not, you know, go careening. We still have two more aces. That seems worth spending one, right? Okay. I will spend yeah, our so. weaker ace. I will spend, yeah, the session Agreed. ace and catch on. Okay. So you are going to be able to neutralize this negative effect of being pulled around in the weird space zone. The way I'd like to describe it is it like starts to pull me towards the chimney and out, and I just mm-hmm. use the stupid chimney sweep as a brace and catch myself just in time. Yeah. you can. It's very warm <laughs> on your hands, but you are able to kick back. Okay. But you did ask. So here's what you get as the fire rushes out. All of the pieces of paper begin to crumple and twist and sort of flutter off the walls and sort of rush around the inside and and the the floors bend a little bit. A chair goes tumbling toward what would be the ground and crashes into uh, a far wall. And with the light of the fire suddenly, you can see that it's chaos in here. It's a mess. It's confusing. There is a sense of not only has it felt wrong, but even coming out of the haze of the fire being out and cast into, back into that wound being healed, the whole space is still askew and ajar. This is uncomfortable, the mess that's in here. Where are we on the track? Did we move up when I put the thing? So you didn't move up the track, but you got Got the piece of information that led you here, if that makes sense. Sure. And I will let James Fulcrum can interpret what's been said, but because I'm supposed to make it clear to you, a useful piece of information. This is an unpleasant situation to kind of snap out of the haze of whatever was going on in the fire to. And you're probably is not out of the realm of reasonable to think that Polka Polka needs help, needs some of this tidied up. There's that's always part of the Ritual, and that's yep. what sets them up every year. That's why I was asking if we had moved up the track. 
because uh, I would like to attempt the cure. I think we can do the okay. we go on three into yeah. the cure again. So I think grasping this information, Fulcrum calls out to the group. I think we need to tidy the room. I think we need to, and like starts pushing off the, you know, to swing themselves over to grab the chair that like went careening into the wall to grab it and place it upright on the floor and like hold it there and like let go of it ever so slightly with the heron still hovering and if it like starts going in that another direction again like grab it again and hold it are there other pieces of furniture i like i'm not going to specify there are you can definitely see both whole and partial pieces of furniture does anybody have any trainings or or backgrounds that be useful in cleaning up a mess or ordering a has anyone done any catering yeah what sort of trainings and backgrounds are we looking at everybody nothing that would be relevant here my specialty photographic memory have i seen the inside i've been here i've been to this town have i seen me inside of Poca Poca before. Can I start moving things back to their place? Marjoram is one of your mentors. If Landau has not personally been inside Poca Poca before, he has at least certainly had it described to him. And Marjoram is there to help. Landau will be able to clean his drawings and, and Marjoram's yes. So I'm gonna let you and I'm gonna let you because you would normally not need to roll for something that had that, I'm going to go ahead and say you you don't have to worry about a six or below. You can add a plus one for that. Okay, Ryan, training your backgrounds? No, but I do have this broom. Why do you have a broom? Because I'm You do have a broom. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea that you all are just like comparing notes and you just look over and Corey (laughs) just drifts by and you got like, I got this. Yep. Let's help. I'm like, put this here, put this here, put this here. And he's just <laughs> sweeping stuff out the door. Yeah. Um, Sweep or like yeah. into the so fire. So actually, like to... I was going to say, so he's like picking up the things that are broken, that are wood or cloth or the paper that's floating in the air and the stuff that like it can't be put back in place. He will feed it into the fire in the heart. Sounds good. Great. So everybody go ahead. Everyone who's doing this, it looks like Fulcrum, Corey, and Landau. What stat, you guys? Do we all roll? Because if you get more multiple 10 ups, it will increase the number of holds you get. Sweet. Right. I mean, this sounds like acuity to me. It depends on the which. It certainly sounds like acuity for me, at least. Okay. I think it's fine on my end. Um, Go with acuity. I rolled an 11. Straight nice. with a plus zero. Pretty excited about that. Eight fine. <laughs> So I rolled an 11, but I have a plus one. All right. Well, that's fine. What nice. about Ryan? What attribute should I use? Go if you think fine works. Or force if you're... I have a nine. Okay. Really chucking stuff in that really fire. Really hucking stuff in that fire. Um, <laughs> you're picking up the big ass broken couch. I botched and lost something important. So my broom catches it on fire. Sure. Like, oh, no, 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 no. So you're just, you're now, you're now like spinning through the sort of medium space tied to the rope with a broom that's on fire, waving it. A little bit of stew gets in your eye. Ah. Ah, the red wine vinegar stings, but it smells so good. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but I heard that there were two 10-ups. That is correct. You can spend that hole. Yeah, I want to advance the control track. That sounds like a great idea. All right, you advance the control track. Oh, what is the forward that I just had? Uh, Where is that applicable? Can that be applied to Corey's role in the group role? What's the forward from? The forward is from Crikey. From the Crikey move. I'm trying to remember with forward if... 
you can share that one. It's a plus one that applies to your next roll generally. So it tells you what the bonus is and what kind of roll it can apply to. But generally it's a plus one the next time you roll with a suitable action. So it, it's up to you. It doesn't say it can, but since it's using information that you gained. Uh, you got a nine, right? Yeah. Well, that plus one isn't going to do anything for you, James, because Fulcrum yeah, would. already got... Right. I'm good. I was doing the thing of could this be applied to the group role or something? And yeah, I think unfortunately that's but... just for hold. But you're still at two, so you advance the control track. Jared gets. I mean, yeah. can we advance? Well, they're shared by the group. Can we so advance can... the control track again? We can only do that once. No, you can advance the control track again. I think we should do that again, and then we can attempt to cure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that's nice. if that's the thing we can do um, twice. What does the monster space on the track do? The monster's space on the track is kind of a spoiler for y'all, in the sense that when you push the monster, if you both end up on the same track and one of you then moves, it not just moves them forward, it also pushes someone else back. So it's Got it. moving the monster around on the track can be good for you in some cases because there were fewer wounds and they were a little less aggressive. Right. There was less back and forth with that for you. Okay. Then yeah, I think putting them both into the pushing us up control track. Go ahead and attempt a cure then if you'd like. You were at a D8. We should spend the ace, yeah. right? Because we have one more session ace. That is our uh, last thing. We should use it. When you say session ace? Session ace? Critical ace. Yes. Critical ace. Critical our last thing. Critical. So is that 2D8? Yeah, so that'd be 2D8. Who would like to do it? Go for it. Okay. All right. That is a 12. Five and a seven. <laughs> As you go, the changes are small at first and there is definitely some dodging, you know, ambient pieces of furniture that are, you know, kind of sliding off. But you have the rope <laughs> and you have a general sense as you go that if nothing else, this part was something that maybe Polka Polka was able to fix on their own if they just had a little bit of help to kind of reset. Mm. And since what they're used to every year is everyone comes in and just helps tidy everything up, get everything back in order, and that starts a fresh new year for them. Having you all come and, you know, take the peeling bits off the wall, shake out the curtains, collect the broken bits of furniture, put them into the fires. You start to see as you clear one area, move to the next, the floorboards begin to fit back together where they're supposed to go. The stairs bend back around where they're supposed to to go. The chimney straightens out. Gilly begins steadily moving back down the chimney, probably recognizing in the way that goats do that <laughs> gravity is about to shift again. It will take you a little bit of time, but you gradually become aware that the daylight streaming into the window has stopped moving. So Polka Polka has stopped. Everything ends up nice. kind of back where it was. The fire in the hearth comes down to a manageable level, and you realize that here's to be it. A couple of candles light of their own accord over to the side and you can Let's feel go. polka polka stretch and take a breath around you hell yeah so marjoram Yay, uh, looks very relieved i very much appreciate you all coming and helping i was not really prepared to do anything i, I was trying but it's difficult when you know you saw there were some ice spikes so i was just mm. oh yes um here try one of these this will probably help your mood and i extend my hand with some of my remaining treats there are four monsters i say with like quotation marks but i want to let you all rp with marjoram if you want to but functionally speaking we are 
kind of at the end there, when in a normal session, we would at this point go through new moves or upgrades or upgraded monster gifts. There are many things that would happen at this point mechanically and narratively, but for our purposes, I think we can probably close out here and say thank you all for jumping in. So if you all, do y'all have any questions before we move out? I'm good. I just thank you for inviting me to join the, the actual play. Yeah, and yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah so, my pleasure. I'm here to tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, that if we were continuing, I would upgrade Presto and get to its monster gift for and get Poca Poca to teach me time and space magic. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you that if we were to continue, first thing Marjorie would do is explain that the thing that she sent Landau the letter about was, in fact, this compass. And after Poca Poca is calm, it stops moving quite as rapidly and just begins a gentle circuit around and just generally explaining as you all work it out it appears that it started pointing in polka polka's direction there were only a couple of wounds this was a very fresh infection of the false gold and it appears that this compass latched onto polka polka pretty quick after it started to be unwell and it has started spinning lazily again as if there's nothing around but it's possible and this is part of why a she was so vague and b she wanted you to cross a half a continent to get here this thing may with some testing help you find false gold shortly after infection depending on how far you are away that's super sweet and i think a great nice. place to end our business uh with that i'm helen the mother of monsters storyteller i'm ryan the anesthesiologist player i'm ben the dentist player I'm Jared, the excellent natural artistic player. I'm James, the home chef who gets bit a lot player. Come find the fun and the magic we make with the stories told in this world we create. So come down, it's only right.